Welcome to the Entitled Gamer, episode 21, FIGHT! Uh, I'm Matt Shore, aka Shorester, and this is my co-host, Big Trav. Hello. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a lot of cool games we've been playing, including the release of Destiny 2, a game I swore I would never get, and I immediately bought on day one. <laughs> yeah, you were actually the one that talked me into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, but first, uh, unless you have anything special to say, it's time for Big Trav's Big News. Okay, so uh, Randy Pitchford, who is the CEO of Gearbox, has come up with a couple funny-ish things. Uh, so you and funny I talked about this. Funny or funny strange? Uh, both, I guess. One of them's one of them's funny. The other one's just dumb. Uh, 90% of Gearbox is working on a game that is most likely Borderlands 3. Uh, right. Because you would Pax, hope they would be working on, right? Yeah. No, no. Everybody wants Battleborn 2, man. Keep up. Uh, <laughs> speaking of PAX again. West, uh, Randy Pitchford uh, said the team is, quote, working on the thing I think most of you guys want us to be working on, end quote. So... That has to be Borderlands 3. It's gonna be... Wouldn't it be funny if it wasn't Borderlands 3? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. He's just teasing it. Borderlands everybody. the 3 sequel or some shit like that. <laughs> it's a remastered Borderlands 1, what everyone wanted. I wouldn't mind that at this point. Yeah, that'd be alright. I like TK Baja a lot. If it came with all the DLC, I actually really like uh, the General Knox DLC. That one's pretty great. The only DLC for Borderlands 1 that I ever really played a lot of was the Halloween one. Oh, yeah, that was fun, too. Yeah, getting all the brains and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing he said was uh, he thinks that the art style of Borderlands put a ceiling on the franchise's success. For real? Like, because it looked more cartoony and not like a Call of Duty game, it sold less. Splish. Which, I guess, I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely obnoxious and stupid. Yeah. That's that's so ridiculous. I mean, gamers like cool art styles, and mm-hmm. maybe it's never going to sell as much as Call of Duty because it has a specific tone. It's not generic, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like objection. I mean, yeah, I think that's absolute. I mean, I could really go off, but I'm not going to. He also, well, this might make you go off. He also had a really weird quote that I don't have in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, "We failed miserably." in providing entertainment to the whole world because there's some there's billions of people in the world and they've only sold like 30 million copies of borderlands so they've failed miserably <laughs> and i mean he was he was joke like he laughed after it but still it was a super weird quote that's maybe they're i don't know is this maybe it's about investors i don't know who owns I, gearbox but it's just weird yeah it's, um, it's it was just it was just kind of weird but i mean they failed miserably with battleborn you, can, you know, I mean, I think everybody I know who's played Borderlands 2 really likes Borderlands 2 and was sort of like, okay, the pre-sequel was kind of misguided. We want Borderlands 3. It just seems like they flew too close to the sun. Who is this Icarus character this game is named after? It's like they had an, they had an IP that everybody wanted and they veered way far off that to prove that they're more than that and immediately proved that they weren't. Like, I think Borderlands 2 is a great game, but in no way is it the perfect, refined Borderlands experience. Like, last week we talked about some of our favorite games. We talked about Mass Effect 2, which is a game that I feel like is the ideal Mass Effect experience. Like, if you just kept making games that were almost exactly like Mass Effect 2, 
I would probably be pretty happy. Yeah, you know, agreed. if you if you made variations on that, to me that was a very refined gameplay experience. You could say the combat in three was better, sure. Uh, refining and fine tuning combat aside, I think the core structure of the story and the way the characters, uh, you engage with the characters and play the characters, uh, I think is great in Mass Effect Two. I think Borderlands Two was like, oh, let's take Borderlands One to the next level. This felt like a really great place writing wise. Introduce Handsome Jack. New characters, uh, new powers, and stuff like that. There are still aspects of Borderlands that you could you could refine and make better and clearer. Um, the pre-play, for instance, right? Exactly. If you if you just focused on making the combat feel as great as um, you know uh, Destiny, for example, which we've been playing recently, which has you know which would be a games. crazy great game if if Borderlands Two controlled like Destiny, that would be amazing. Or even like Overwatch, which also yeah. has great combat yeah. and is from a company that doesn't usually do shooters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or hasn't done shooters, really. So, to me, it's, it's um, you know, there are things you could refine about Borderlands. And, you know, if you wanted to do a different art style in Borderlands, I think the fans would be on board with it. So long as it kept a lot of the vibe the yeah. same. I don't think anyone wants a photorealistic Borderlands, but we could do one that was, you know, a mix between um, real and cell shaded. Like it doesn't have to be. I don't know why, completely but... cell shaded. Uh, it, it seems like they're having some sort of like midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're overthinking it. Yeah, it, it it just it just seems weird. I don't know why, but when you said they could change art styles for some reason, uh, Dang and Rampa popped in my head, and I was thinking it'd be really, really cool to have a Borderlands with pink blood. I don't know why. I just think that would be cool. Um, right. I mean, aesthetically, I think what cell shading says is that fans of this series don't necessarily love cell shading. We like cool um, aesthetics that yeah. have you know an interesting thing going for them. You know, like uh, Wind Waker HD looks a little bit different than Wind Waker original. They're mm. still cell shaded and whatever, but I mean, like, there's ways of making it work. Like. I think I think again he's overthinking it and focusing on the wrong things, and I even remember back like years before they're like we don't even know what Borderlands three would be, and I'm like how can you not, like because at the end of Borderlands two they show like four different planets and it's like okay in Borderlands three so, you would go to those four different planets and it would be more like Borderlands two but mm-hmm. you know maybe refined and look a little bit better. I just I worry that them seeing Destiny and the Division and everything that they're going to be like, oh, we need social spaces, we need like a hundred players in every instance of the world. Like, I don't need them to make an MMO st- style thing. Like, I just need like I want Borderlands Two with potentially better controls, a new story, new characters, and I'm I'm good. Like, I don't I I just hope that they don't. Again, it does. It seems like they're overthinking it, and hopefully. Right. There were aspects of the pre-sequel that worked. I thought the characters themselves, although some of them were a little bit broken and like not as fun as other ones, uh, the the pre-sequel characters were fun and like cryo weapons were fun. Butt bouncing was fun. All those things were good additions. Not being able to breathe on the moon and slightly, extremely worse writing. I'm not going to say slightly worse. The dialogue was much worse. And the thing about Borderlands is that. Because the combat can get repetitive and isn't as fulfilling as the best shooters on the market, the tone of the game and the humor really needs to be on point. Otherwise, um, it's mm. not as engaging. So that's, you know, I mean, 
you sort of need to say, well, our strength is in writing these really funny games. Let's dive into that. And then what they won't expect is that we refine the gunplay so that it feels really good. And then we'll give them that too. And I feel like anything else, you give it on top. I mean, what we like about uh, the, the Division and Destiny and uh, Borderlands is that we can play together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically it. And in terms of, like, raids and spaces, like, that we can all see each other, like, that's fine and well and good. But, like, you can add raids and stuff later as DLC. Well, did, I feel like they... Yeah, I feel like they did that. Didn't they do, like... Yeah. Raid bosses in Borderlands 2, yeah. like Halloween style stuff. Yeah, yeah, which I never did those, but that sounded cool. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I mean, that was all icing on the cake for me. Um, it didn't detract from. It's just, it's just weird to me that they can put out a great DLC pack like Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, which is a really funny and well written and well designed thing, um, and a great mashup of genres too. And um, it's probably one of my favorite DLC packs I've played of anything. And it's and then be like we're having this like ennui about what Borderlands Three is like, and it's just like, just make the fucking game, just like mm. it, it. It's I I I wouldn't mind waiting for it for this long if I felt like they knew what they were doing. But I'm feeling like we're gonna get Mass Effect Andromeda. Do you know what I mean? Because it feels like none yeah. of these guys know what they're doing. From like just from having four or five years of them being like we don't know what it could be or what it should be. I'm like stop overthinking it just go in with like a clear idea and be like what's your vision what was your vision for two because that worked do you know what i mean like it yeah how i don't care if you bring back handsome jack as like a cybernetic head or whatever you know like we like handsome jack having him more in the game is fine like you know you can kill the joker in one game and bring him back in the next in some creative fashion and we're like yeah that's fine with us because we like the joker right do you know what i mean yeah like don't fucking overthink this. You have some things that are your best assets, which are like cool different kinds of guns. Okay, so there should be a ton of different kinds of guns in this new one. Cool, interesting characters with funny dialogue. Unique missions that end in like comedic ways. You know, over-the-top violence and, and cars and all the stuff that makes Borderlands fun. Like, all that stuff. Just find a way to make that the most refined experience possible and set it on four unique worlds a jungle planet uh, you know a world that looks like our classic borderlands planet an ice planet which we've seen before too and you know that would be I cool I, I would like to see them like be like oh this world is just something completely insane you know like not even like a jungle planet but just like something that that they just imagined you know and isn't realistic in any way right a crazy borderlands planet something really off the wall you know mm-hmm. like i mean there's so many like, it doesn't... I think that's the other thing. It's like, Borderlands, to me, doesn't have to make sense. Like, no, I'm not, not looking for coherent lore. It's a cartoon, basically. Yeah. That's the good thing about their art style. They could say, this is, you know, a dream sequence where it's, you know, th- the planet is made up of thousands of broken claptraps, and you're just climbing them, and they're, like, screaming on it as you climb them and shit. <laughs> and, like, that would be that'd be funny, and that would be, like, a thing. And, Border- like, I'm not looking for a coherent story. I mean, the story of Borderlands 1 is complete shit. You yeah, spend all well, this time trying to find the vault, and then inside the vault is a monster, and you fight it, and that's the end. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking stupid. It's a good thing that this game was so much fun to play. Exactly. Or else... Like, the know. Borderlands 2 story is n- nothing great either. Like, 
But it has good characters. It exactly. Has Angel and exactly. Handsome Jack and their relationship. And basically all the stuff with Roland and Lilith is really stupid. But it's still nice because it's yeah, like character well, related. Like, exactly. Like I, I liked those characters even though they were just like for the most part non-characters in Borderlands 1. Like I still felt like a connection is probably too strong a word. But I still liked seeing those characters from an yeah. outside perspective interacting with the world. Totally. Um, anyway, it says 90% of Gearbox is working on it. Hopefully that means they have a good idea or just a general idea of what they're doing. So I still have faith that Borderlands 3 will come out and be, at the very least, good. So And and even if it is like a letdown like Andromeda, at least it's multiplayer and we can play it together. So <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> like all the time we spent playing pre-sequel together? Yeah, um I don't know, man. Right. That it just feel, pre-sequel feels desolate, but we don't need to talk. We don't, we don't need to talk about Borderlands yeah. anymore. Uh, I also have uh, you played Catherine, right? I feel like we've talked about that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Catherine two say- got hinted at uh, on the Golden Playhouse, uh, or it's it's like it was like a recruitment thing for their new studio called Zero or Studio Zero, something like that, and it was a Golden Playhouse themed stream, which Golden Playhouse is like the intro to Catherine takes place in this bar and it's like on a TV and it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like Catherine is like a TV show you're watching and it's on the golden house, golden playhouse network or something like that. So I, th- I think Catherine is a great one-off game that I do not. Yeah. I, I don't play I, a sequel to. Yeah. Cause the, cause the gameplay of Catherine is so stupid. What the, um, the, the boxes and, or the, yeah, the going yeah. up the, I, I thought it was fine. I, I still never finished Catherine one. Really? Um, well, yeah, because I, I, I was not like, I difficult. Can, You're no, terrible I know, at games. But, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I can play this on a higher difficulty. I know how to do puzzles. And then I got like halfway through and was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, Catherine is like an anime cock tease. It's like mm. this. It's about Vincent growing up, and he's like, I'm dating one girl named Catherine. She represents, you know, the uh, the person you settle down with who is unexciting but a sensible choice. And then this magical girl, Catherine, comes in and represents all the sexy fun times you can have, but is, like, potentially a terrible choice because you don't really know anything about her. And it would upset your current relationship. And it's about growing up. It's sort of like a metaphor, and it uses its cock-teasery imagery of this very sexy anime girl as your way of getting to play it. And then the, the, uh, uh, the gameplay is very much like, you know, sorting and pulling boxes and being a sheep and climbing up all this stuff. And, and like, an interesting, but not... It's not gameplay that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to play the next one. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's functional, but it hangs together because it's an Atlas game in all of that classic, you know, like, I don't know. It just style it feels. And, yeah. I mean, I, I think the style and everything was a big part of Catherine one. And also like we hadn't had a mainline persona game in, I want to yeah, say like true. four years when that came out, four or five years. And all of us were like, oh, this is what persona five will look like. And it kind of was, but like, That's true. I, not to say that I wouldn't I wouldn't be interested in a Catherine sequel. Like I like Catherine enough that like if they want to make it and they think it'll sell, go for it because Atlas makes good stuff and like I'll check it out. But Atlas makes so much stuff. I'm always like shocked by how they stay in business because they're always releasing like 35 handheld games mm-hmm. that are just like very you know, niche. These, yeah, yeah, super niche Japanese anime fuck simulators, and it's just like like Conception. Like, that's, like, the most fucking weird That's, like, game. the one where you, like, 
you have kids that become super strong so you can have more kids that are even stronger to like kill a boss or like it's something about kids yeah. right like marriage and it's like it's like a dating simulator and if you have sex with a girl you have like a baby that is your pokemon mm-hmm. it's like really oh, okay weird. okay um, i heard it was good like i've heard of those games before that people like them but i've just never played one i'm sure because it's like it's like honey pop or something like it's fan servicey it's mm. not like these aren't great games. That's what's good about well, that's like, the thing. Persona like I, I heard that they're Dragon. actually good. Like they're not just. I've, I've heard they're okay. I've I, never I've heard never anyone one, rave so. about them. Okay, and you can tell. I think the it's like you can tell if a fan service game is good if someone is willing to publicly recommend it to you. <laughs> you know, it's like mm. Persona has fan servicey elements. So does Danganronpa. Right. But those aren't the elements that people usually rave about necessarily. It's like everything else. They're like, oh, but you got to play this. They like. So I, I just, I don't know. I feel like uh, we'll talk about Ultra Despair Girls a little bit later, and I'll have more to say about that. Um, okay, Catherine too. What else? Uh, so Final Fantasy XV is coming to PC soon. Um, okay. And Square is open to allowing mods. But, oh. But they said that they will stop. They will turn off modding or whatever. They'll try to get it under control and like make people stop doing it. If there are too many adult mods. So basically I read this article as, oh, they're worried about people making Cindy nude in the beginning and they're going to make mods stop if that happens. Dude, if I if I want to see Cindy nude, I can just pay for any cosplayer's Patreon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's too late. If What's that rule, like uh, 43 or whatever on the internet? Like, there'll be porn of whatever mm. anything is. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I mean, don't... <laughs> Don't allow modding if you're afraid of people using your video game to create weird porn simulators because where there is modding, you know, if you build it, well, also, they, like, will, it just they seems, will come. It just seems super weird. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to put this girl in this game that is, like, not dressed for the occasion at all. She's wearing, like, Daisy Dukes and a jacket, which is weird, but the jacket's, like, super open. She's all she's all cleavage. That's her whole character. And then right, we're like, she's a very but guys, fucking treat her with sexually. respect. Leave her alone. Don't moderate to be naked. Like, and it's I like, actually think that's good practice for most uh, video game fans when they go to conventions. Cosplay is not consent. I think we already had that yeah. episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I know it's it's, it's like, like the big it's, it's the just, big thing. It's just of weird like, coming from Square. Like, I'm not saying that like dress however you want. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, thanks, Trav, for your permission. <laughs> no, Jesus I mean, Christ. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, I know. What you I, mean. I just—it just seems so weird from Square because there's all this stuff in in with Cindy specifically in Final Fantasy 15, and then like they did this yeah, whole you've, like you've played it, I haven't. I've yeah, just, there's just I've all literally this stuff. only seen the cosplays. Prompto won't shut up about her, like, and and then there's like there's this VR thing where you're like in the car with her that I heard about. That's like super weird. It just seems weird. I don't know. I so you're saying there are fan servicey elements of the game already, and now they're acting protected. Well, right. I guess you know it could be that thing. It's like there's she's a SquareSoft's digital girlfriend. Do you really want to see your digital girlfriend getting fucked by every guy on the internet? I doubt it. Fair if you're point. a lonely person, you know that's my blow up doll, not yours. It just, it just, share it. It just when I read the story, it just seemed weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think to me, since I haven't, I don't know anything really about Cindy. Outside of the fact of how she dresses, mm. uh, which is, you know, provocative in that it's, you know, attractive. Um, uh, and it seems like a fun costume that the cosplay girls like to, to uh I've also to seen lots wear. of male Cindy's for cosplay. Oh, really? That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like crossplay. I think that's cool, too. Um, 
<laughs> and girls seem to like it too, so they can be Link. I've seen a lot of or junk, I've seen some, a lot of junk rats too. Oh yeah, yeah, female junk rats. And I saw a cosplay the other day that was uh, Jane, Silent Bob, Junk Rat, and Roadhog, which was pretty fun. Oh really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah that it was a fun cool. mashup. Uh, and it worked so well, I barely got it. I'm like, yeah, it's just junk rat and roadhog. And I'm like, oh wait, that's that's the Silent Bob trench coat. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think I think just in general, my take on that is just what I said. That yeah, it's like if you're opening it up to modding, you have to accept the fact that yeah. you know, people are going to mod it in weird ways. And it's like, yeah, we can say, can't we hold society to a higher standard? But I mean, we can't. Yeah, well, yeah, especially and like, not on the internet. Yeah, if, we can't uh, exactly like that's that's I guess like you, that's way more succinct than I put it. But like if yeah, if you're gonna allow the mods, if you're gonna now p- allow people to mod your game, you just kind of have to expect this stuff, I guess. And like, I don't know, like if you're that worried about it, just don't don't allow modding. Like or say specifically, you know, we don't want triple X mods, so no mature modding. Mm-hmm. It's weird to say like there can't be. You know, we we will judge each triple X mod based on the quality of the sex you can have in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> like there's some like internal fapping consultant or some mm. shit like that. Like I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I mean, just playing through the ultra Japanese games I've been playing lately, the Japanese uh, Japanese culture in diff- in general you know, in the most general way I can say is different than American culture and sexual politics and sexual relationships, how sex is viewed, what is, um, you know, what's the word I'm saying for what is gauche, what is offensive and what is seductive and what is fetishy are different between the cultures, not always completely different, but there are definitely nuances. And so some things were like, well, that's weird. I don't know if I'd want a tentacle there, you know, it's like there are, you know, there's differences. So uh, maybe there's something cultural in here, but overall, it sounds like a, it sounds like a silly, yeah, a silly rule. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I have is uh, the Pokemon Company CEO uh, thought that Switch <laughs> would fail. This really pissed you off. No, it didn't piss me funny. off. I just thought it was weird. Like, and also, like, I, I think, like, ultimately, I'm sure this quote was. Tr- I think this quote, quote was translated to English. So there's probably potentially something lost in translation but i just thought it was a bit weird um he thought the switch would fail because in the age of smartphones no one would carry around a game console which i can't really uh disagree with him like we thought switch would potentially fail as well Um, i thought i didn't think uh but but again and this goes on to what he says later but like i didn't think the hardware design was necessarily a bad idea agreed i just I just thought all the software that they were previewing was not enough to sell the console. However, that that's that's it was coming from someone who had a Wii U and wasn't going to buy a, a Switch, Switch for, for Zelda. Zelda. Right. But um, much like the Wii before it, you know, saying you could play a new Zelda on the hottest, newest console is a selling point for people because mm. people really love Zelda. You know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's I mean, we've seen it proven before, and we've seen it proven again here. We were wrong about. Uh, well, I think we were wrong. We were very negative about the presentation about the Switch and stuff like that. But we both wanted Nintendo to succeed. We did not want Nintendo to fail. We were just both baffled by right. what they were putting forth and really cynical and worried about it. So, I mean, like, both of us, I think, are very excited that the Switch is doing so well now and that Nintendo has 
you know, big plans for the future. I mean, I know I'm super excited about Metroid Prime 4, just the prospect definitely. of it. And Odyssey is definitely, like, and, my game to watch of the fall. Oh, yeah. And Trav, you've, you've been playing a lot of Rabbids lately, yeah. too. We'll talk about that later. Um, um, and then another so, thing that, that, that the Switch has has really gotten me into that I didn't think was even possible was that because the, the Joy-Cons have gyro in them, like, yeah. I played a originally a Wii game. Uh, I talked about it, like, two weeks ago. It's the... the 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 mud game or I forget what it's called anyway mutant muds yeah yeah and uh you you know originally it was with a with a Wiimote and you can play it with a Switch controller now because it has the gyro in it like I want them to port Skyward Sword and Metroid Prime to the Switch so I can have it with better controls because I will enjoy Skyward Sword that way as opposed to with the Wiimote which I feel is like slightly off I would um I would not be surprised if they did a Skyward Sword HD yeah, I mean, you know. they've done all of them now, all the 3D ones, except for Skyward Sword, right? Right. And I mean, because there's still motion in it, that was always my fear of Skyward Sword, because I thought there's a fun little game in there, in spite of some of its flaws, mm. that, um, you know, obviously Breath of the Wild is a better game, but like, it's like, oh, this game is so much a motion game that like, it you know, can't will be. it, yeah. can, will it ever be ported? But I, I like the way that Nintendo's handling it with Switch, where it's like, yeah, it still does that stuff, but now it's this other thing, too. Um, right. Which is, I think, what people were looking for from the Wii U that they didn't get. I think people are like, Wii U, sort of, besides the confusing name, um, and the, you know, the dearth of really quality games at the beginning, uh, you know, it was confusing. It was like, so now it's this screen? How is that better than the mo- It didn't seem like it was a... Revolution? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It was... Um, it, but anyway, so the so the so the really weird quote that is that the Pokemon company CEO said after this was that he said, quote, it's obvious I was wrong. And then he said, quote, I, I came to realize the key to a successful game is quite simple. Software with absolute quality leads, leads sales of hardware. Playing style can be flexible if the software is attractive enough, end quote. So, like, I don't know. I just thought that was very weird. That, that was just a weird thing to say because, like, obviously – great games sell consoles like consoles don't sell themselves you know you know i'm just thinking about it now but it's like not the only thing i mean if you're talking about sales i mean look at the sales of no man's sky like that was a huge success in terms of sales Mm. do you know what i mean everyone pre-ordered that shit so you might argue that because gamers are such rabid consumers marketing is the thing that yeah yeah absolute hype building over promising shit the thing is like no one's gonna I don't know. Maybe someone will buy No Man's Sky too, but probably it won't have the same thing. Well, you know, apparently gamers that, are the last update, once bitten, they, twice shy. Yeah, apparently a lot of people are getting into it now, though, because they they've changed so much since it came out. I can't bring myself to do it. I reinstalled it and played for about five minutes and was like, "This still like I don't I don't have time for this to like try to look at all right. the new stuff." And I just like I had I enjoyed my time with it. I don't know if I'll ever get back to it, but I, I would be curious to play it if it was like five bucks. But I'm I, sure I I'm sure it'll it'll get there, and you'll probably have a much better experience than I did just because of all maybe the it'll stuff be PS Plus someday. That'd be great. It probably will at some point, I would think. All right, is that all your items from the uh, news? Yeah. All right, so I have a couple here too. Uh, the new South Park video game has a difficulty slider. That is based on your skin tone or your character's skin tone in the game. So if you want to play on easy mode, your character is white. And if you want it to be very difficult, your character is black. So that's some of your social commentary from the South Park guys right there. Uh, based off the, uh, I guess, commonly thought in, in uh, 
a lot of progressive circles at least that life is harder for black people in general because of racism and just the history associated with being african-american and so now if you if you want the game to be hard your character will automatically be black which i assume will create different situations in the game where people are going to be hassling you for being black oh i didn't even think about that that could yeah that could be it interesting in quotes i guess like it could be right it's it's a touchy subject yeah. so it's hard to know how to talk about it but you know this is south park so of course they're going to push the envelope i'm very excited about this game because the last one i enjoyed a great deal um and i but feel I... like this is a great a great com- bit of commentary from so- two guys who are fairly conservative leaning in you know how they pick their social targets i thought this was an interesting an interesting choice. Yeah, um, yeah, I will say this: like, despite like even taking out the the race like stuff of it, I like it when games change depending on your character or like your the, the decisions you make. So if they actually change like dialogue and situations based on the difficulty, that could potentially be cool without even thinking about like the other stuff. I wouldn't put it past them to write additional dialogue yeah. for that. So. Um, it did would you, be. Did you say it's a slider? Or is it just like white or black? Is no, it's it's like a it's a slider. It's like it goes from like you know, uh, super Irish like us, <laughs> white to to you know black. So it's okay. like so. There's the whole spectrum there. It's sort of that. Yeah, it's like I guess it would be like you know a pick your skin tone thing in a normal character creator, mm. but in this game, it's the difficulty thing at the same time. That's super weird, man. Like yeah, I, right. I wonder if uh, who's publishing that is that Ubisoft? I think it's Ubi, right? You think that that seems like a like that seems like a thing that like ninety eight percent of publishers wouldn't want to fucking touch at all. Right, but I mean, it's South. Park. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like if it was in a Family Guy game, you'd be like, okay, it's Family Guy. It's okay, it's South Park. Not that those shows are the same, because you know Trey would get really fucking mad if you said they were the same. Is that there's a thing two episodes say? of South Park. No, there's well, yeah, there's two episodes of South Park called Cartoon Wars, where uh, you know Trey voicing his opinions through uh, through Cartman is basically saying. Uh, he has Kyle say to him, "It's like, but you would love Family Guy. That's totally your sense of humor." And Carmen's like, "I'm nothing like Family Guy. My jokes come from story and satire and characters. <laughs> you know, it's like a big, yeah. it's a big thing where they make fun of uh, Family Guy and try to be distinct. Like, it's just this thing where the, it's like a personal pet peeve of his. He's like, he considers what he's doing to be, you know, like a higher more, degree, higher, yeah, art, more yeah. avant garde or more clever yeah. than Family Guy. Um, so it's it's just a funny, it's a funny bit." But, yeah, I mean, like, of course this is, you know, in normal circumstances this would be offensive. But in a way, it's kind of like the underlying joke is that life is harder if you're not white. So, I mean, like, it's in terms of their offensive humor or, or wow, off-color humor, um, it would be, you know, it's, it's at least leaning on the side of what I would say is, like, deference to or uh sympathy for the plights of many non-white people mm. which i think is like in general unless you're super conservative and don't believe in that it's it's theoretically a good thing or a thing you can just ignore as a haha joke sure but i do i don't think it's like you know it'd be different for like if you played as a female character and they i don't know made like tampon shoot out of your body or something like that do you know do what you i mean think, yeah which totally. would just you- be I still think that there's no chance this doesn't get picked up, though, by somebody. And they're just like, oh, look at the new South Park game. Like, you know. 
Like somebody will do that. It'll be on some news story. Like oh, oh definitely. I would hope so. I yeah. mean, they they've they've had sort of their entire popularity. Uh, you know, that's sort of how the show became what mm. it was. Is part of like their their genius. They're kind of the guys. You know, they're, they're, they're the manager calling from the rock show saying, someone get the cops down here. It's too loud. Just so that they can claim later. The, our show rocks so hard. The sure. cops came, you sure. know, like they're kind of those guys. So, um, but also I, I remember them specifically talking about, I think in their documentary about the show that, uh, you know, sometimes they're going to be like, you know, at the beginning of the show, they would be picked up for everything they did. Some new story would be like, I can't believe they said this this week. But like eight seasons in or so, they got to the point where they're like, now this one's really going to offend people. And they get wake up the next day waiting for it. And they ask people and the people are just like, oh, yeah, but it's South Park. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you expect? Yeah. Like, they just want you to get offended. So it's like not worth your time to get offended. If you get offended publicly, they'll make fun of you on the show for being offended. So it's just like, it's not worth it. Um, so I think, I think that's just... Uh, but, you know, that's what's happening in the next summer game. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. Yeah, think of it what you will. Um, let's see. L.A. Noir is getting a remake for uh, Switch, I guess, and no, for I, other consoles. Yeah, I think for Switch it's just L.A. Noir with the DLC. <laughs> there's no remaster. There's no remake involved in there. Well, yeah, okay. It's, it's getting, you know... Uh, it's getting ported. It's getting ported, and it's also getting revamped for the other consoles. Right. Not 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 exciting for me because I think LA Noir kind of sucks. Yeah, I uh, have it on PS3, and I've tried to play it like three times, and I just start over, and, and then I I'd, I'd get through like three cases and be like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> LA Noir is also featured on an episode of South Park. I remember specifically. Oh. Weird. Um. But uh. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I people are like, it's a Rockstar game on you know on Switch. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You know, I think it would be more exciting if GTA Five was on Switch. Yeah. But... I wonder if Nintendo would go for that. I bet you they would if if they were promised like a shitload of sales. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't it sell? I yeah. mean, if you only own Nintendo consoles and then you or can even play just G- like want to have it on the go. Like, there's lots of games I yeah. can buy on Switch. I know it's like I mean I would love to have Hollow Knight on the go, and I just finished it. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, but I think GTA Five. If you could say I, you can play GTA Five, uh, on handheld. Yeah, that'd be pretty crazy. It'd be pretty Which great. I theoretically they could do. I mean, GTA Five runs on a 360 and PS3. That's true. Like, who knows? Not, maybe maybe not they great. Will. There's slowdown, but sure. even so, it's still a fun game. Um, okay, so what else? Oh, we talked previously on a different episode about how prisoners in Guantanamo Bay have a library where they can play video games, which is news to me. Um, and so the full list of Guantanamo games has been revealed. Everything, so you can go through that list if you want to. But most notably. Uh, there's only one shooter, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's like, they, I guess they don't want, sure. uh, you know, accused uh, terrorists to be playing shooters. Let them kill fantasy things with fantasy weapons, but no no guns. Yeah, right, pretty much. That seems to be the vibe. Uh, but it's 007 Legends, which is apparently a really shitty game. That's Yeah, that's uh, not good. Don't play that. And uh, only one fighting game, like, as in, you know, no Street Fighter. But they do have Persona 4 Arena, so... I, so Trav, if Trav is ever accused of being a terrorist, he'll kick ass because he kicked my ass pretty <laughs> severely when we played Ultimax quite recently. Uh, but they have a lot of Dragon Quest games, which I think is cool because those games are generally good and probably a great way to eat up a lot of time because <laughs> yeah. they are long games. They play FIFA, which makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Prince of Persia, which to me kind of feels like a dig. Which one? <laughs> I think it was one of the worst ones. I don't think it was Sands of Time. Like the 08? Yeah. Just, just Prince of... Yeah. 
Um, so those are that was interesting to me. You can read the full list if you search for it online. But those were uh, the highlights. That seems kind of shitty. I mean, FIFA. That's not bad. Sure. I mean, I, if, I guess if you could play with your cellmate, that could be pretty fun. Yeah. And Dragon Quest, if you're in solitary. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have no sense. Here's of this. a Game Boy Advance SP. You're in the brig now. Uh, they did have DS games like Golden Sun and mm. stuff like that too. So. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, I, you know, some of these people, like we talked about before are just like accused, like there's I, no real evidence to back it up. And I think I'm sure a lot of them are really, you know, as, as our president would say, really bad dudes, but, uh, but, that's uh, very I'm eloquent sure the way you said that, uh, that's, that's how our president said it. <laughs> That's literally the words he used. There's a lot of really bad dudes, bad hombres. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, I don't think our president would say that. He's you know, he's too intelligent. He's, he's too intelligent for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna uh, end up. Playing. And I think if you called him on it, he would say literally that he didn't say it. And if you showed him video evidence that he did, he would say that's not me. We're gonna end up. We're gonna end up in Guantanamo playing Golden yeah, right. Legends or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we should move on. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Um, the former Tonight Show studio uh, that I guess was used for uh, Johnny Carson and I think where Jay Leno used to film Tonight Show in LA is going to be turned by Blizzard into a uh, an esports arena where uh, you know players are going to play for the prize money. The studio is? Yeah, the Burbank uh, portion of Burbank Studios in That's, Los Angeles. Sounds all right. So the studio will be renamed Blizzard Arena Los Angeles and used for televised esports. This is from Hollywood Reporter. Um, and used for esports experiences. Uh, so many of the needed features are already in space are already in place with multiple sound stage control rooms, which I think is why they picked the place. Cause it's already mm, sort of mm. TV ready. Yeah. And, uh, there's going to be an inaugural event at the new arena on October 7th and 8th with the overwatch contenders season one playoffs, uh, which is part of some sort of, uh, North American and European contest. The rest of this article is sort of about the, the space. Um, then there's going to be a hearthstone championship there too. Um, I'll be sure to win storm. both. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they, I think this is part of like esports trying to, you know, get, we're mm. continuing to break into the mainstream. But I thought it was interesting that you know, Johnny Carson used to be on this set, and yeah. now uh, now Roadhog and Reinhardt, yeah, right, <laughs> two equally classy men. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just you know the the times they are changing, kind of news. Um, all right, so lastly, I have the fact that according to Nintendo, according basically to some some uh, publicity text or promotional text for Super Mario Odyssey. Mario is not hasn't worked as a plumber in a long time. Yep. So I guess the people are saying now he's not officially a plumber anymore, which makes sense cuz you know he's been a doctor, he's been a race car driver. He's very uh, diverse. He, yeah, he's been a, a tennis player. Um he's, he's been a yeah, professional golf. golfer. He's, you know, for a tubby guy, he really he is out there It's around, man. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure we're forgetting like 12 jobs that he's I done. I know, right? He's, he's a party he that, master. <laughs> he ran that Picross company for a while. Yeah, he's, uh, uh I, what else does he do? Wait, what, what, what is he in the original Mario Brothers, the Donkey Kong one? He has like, a, he's a, he's a construction worker. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause, yeah, that's the whole thing. Cause they, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, yeah, Mario is a plumber because overalls show up 
on mm. an 8-bit console was one of the things. He has a mustache, so you know where his face is. You know, they're like design <laughs> decisions based on what he is and what he's doing. He hasn't plumbed in a long time, but the pipes are still a part of it, so don't worry about that. Um, but that oh, that'd be great fun. if they come out and we're like, look, guys, he hasn't been a plumber in years. We're getting rid of the pipes. No more <laughs> pipes in Mario. I would be kind of bummed. The pipes are part of it for me. Yeah. Like, I, I love going through pipes. Um, all right, so now we're going to do a little bit of Hollywood news briefly on a segment I like to call The Eye of Shoron. No Hollywood news can escape Shoron's gaze. It's time for The Eye of Shoron. All right, and we are back with The Eye of Shoron. So the big news out of Hollywood this week is Colin Trevorrow of Jurassic World fame and uh, I think the Book of Henry infamy is now, uh, he was going to be the director of Episode Nine of Star Wars, and now he has been fired, so they're still looking for a replacement for him. This is, I think he's the, I guess, third or fourth ousted director, depending on how you look at it, uh, of Star Wars movies. So, basically, there there's not a lot of insight into why specifically he was fired, but a lot of people are pointing to the fact that his most recent movie, The Book of Henry, was a total clusterfuck mm. um, and was really bad. And, uh, you know, Jurassic World isn't that great either. It looks pretty good, but, like, it's not a great movie. Um, and I think compared to, you know, J.J. and Ryan Johnson, they, they started to get antsy. Uh, this comes, you know, soon after Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired out, uh, off the, uh, the Han Solo movie, the young Han Solo movie. Mm. So that's there's that firing. Josh Trank, who was doing... Um, uh, it was due to the really bad, hated Fantastic Four reboot. It was also fired from Star Wars projects. And Gareth Edwards, who did Rogue One, was sort of kicked off the project and then sort of like replaced with somebody else from the set. And uh, he stayed on, but like it was not, it was still a strange situation. So um, I think we had stories already that, you know, the Billy Elliot guy was going to do Obi Wan, I think is what we were talking about mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ron Howard took over Young Han Solo. So maybe they're going to look for some seasoned director. You know, some people are like, bring George Lucas back. He invented uh, it. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're Is that a thing idiots. people want? Yeah, of course it is, because people uh, are just idiots. Um, I'm like, he's not fucking LeBron James. He's not going to come back and, like, save Star Wars for everybody. Like, yeah. just let it go. It does, Star Wars um, doesn't need saving. It only needs saving from him. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. It's like his last movie, uh, Strange Magic, I think it was, is totally bizarre. Mm. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I mean, can you think of anybody offhand who just, you know, a speculation you would like, or directors you like that, uh, or no, movies I mean, you think would be, like, a good... Just, just hypothetically. I mean, um, nothing off the top of my head. You're, you know, you're, you know more about that stuff than I do. I watch a movie. I'm like, that was good, and then I walk away. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I walk away, then I go to the bathroom. I say, this toilet is good. <laughs> Everything good. Andromeda, bad. I don't know That's why I did bad, that. Voice. Bad now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess like this is just off the top of my head. This probably would be stupid, but like I like Christopher Nolan movies a lot. Oh my god, that'd probably be pretty bad, but. Be still my movie-loving heart. You know, you didn't see Dunkirk yet. No, I didn't. And I, I love Batman, but I think Dunkirk is his best movie. And, I mean, I think the only problem with Chris Nolan... Oh, I just thought of who would be the perfect guy to do it. Um, but I think the only problem with doing Chris Nolan Star Wars mm. is that Chris Nolan at this point... You know what we talked about last time about how, like... Um, 
Star Wars has to have a certain aesthetic to it. Like, right. you need a certain vibe to it. And if people aren't hitting that vibe, it no longer feels like Star Wars. I would say that about Chris Nolan. Like, sure. I can't think of... His movies have their own vibe. Like, saying, I'm going to make a Chris Nolan movie. You kind of have that bump, 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 bump. Like, that that sound in the background and the mm. way it's shot, the way the camera moves, the muted colors. Like, all that stuff is Chris Nolan to a T. Um, and I used to feel that way about David Fincher... Uh, who is also one of my favorite directors and very acclaimed. But he has expanded outward a lot lately in terms of like the movies he'll do. He's become more of a studio director. Mm. I don't know if it's the kind of thing he would be interested in doing. I think he's attached to the... Uh, what is that? The zombie movies? World War Z. I think mm. he's attached to the, the World War Z sequel because he's worked with... Is that, are they still before. making a sequel to that movie? I think Brad Pitt's trying to get it made because okay. he wants to do another one of those movies, but it would be like a standalone, let's work together with my favorite director kind of sequel, not okay. based on the book. Oh, okay. So um, that, that's what, I, I don't know if it's still, I think it's in pre-production or whatever mm. or, or something, but I heard he was attached to that. But I would love to see a Fincher-directed Star Wars movie. I think that would be great. What's he done um, lately that I would have seen? Lately? Um, or like in the I last like 10 years, I don't know. The last movie I saw of his in theaters was Gone Girl. That was oh, okay. I liked that movie fine. I thought that was all yeah, right. It was good. I, I had a good experience. I saw that one at the Cinerama Dome in L.A. and Quentin Tarantino uh, was like sitting like two rows down from me. Oh I was yeah, excited. That's weird. Um, and uh, I would love to see a my my ideal movie would be a uh, a spinoff that would be Tales from Jabba's Palace based off the Star Wars expanded universe novel Tales from Jabba's Palace. Mm. Um, and have Quentin Tarantino direct it, um, and uh, with Robert Rodriguez, and do like a grindhouse version sure. of a Jabba's Palace movie with like all the little individual stories and uh, like different directors chiming in. Um, that's not. I mean, I'd be down to check that out at the very least. I think Guillermo would do a, a pretty good job with sure. the Star Wars movie sure. too. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Oh, you know who um, would actually do the best job for their aesthetic? I think she can't do it because she's doing Wonder Woman too. But Patty Jenkins. Because I think the best part of Wonder Woman, besides just how goddamn beautiful uh, Gal Gadot is, is that uh, the movie is is just as visually beautiful. Mm. There's this thing that happens in Wonder Woman where they're talking about the the Greek Themyscira myths and stuff, where they have what look like a paintings that you would see of Greek gods, but they move slowly in this epic way. And it was like one of the most visually beautiful things I'd seen in a superhero movie that looked totally artistic and uh, better than our work in comics. So I was like, um, I was just sort of like blown away by how good that was. And um, there's definitely a push these days uh, to get female directors more involved. Right. Uh, I, I think like uh, uh, that she would do a fantastic was, job. She, was she Wonder Woman because, her big movie? Like what did she do before that? You know, she also came off of Arrested Development. Same oh, okay. as the Same as the guys, the, the Russos who do were doing... Uh, all the Avengers movies now. So there's mm. something about uh, working on Arrested Development. I think it's probably just the Hollywood thing of everyone in Hollywood loves Arrested Development. So when they ask people, like, what did you direct? It's like, I directed these episodes of Arrested Development. They're like, fuck it. Just give them anything they want. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I I mean, she did just a, a fantastic job. I'm excited to see how Ava DuVernay, I want to say is her name, Who's doing Black Panther? How she mm. how that comes out? I'm interested in that. Um, but 
those are some those are some potential choices I think could be fun. A lot of uh, the problem is a lot of these great directors are already involved in other projects right right. Now, right. I can't think of many directors who wouldn't you know jump at the chance to do a Star when Wars was, just to say Star when Wars was episode nine supposed to start shooting? Do you know? Like it's supposed to next be year? like they basically have a year and a half to do this movie. Okay. So the fact that they don't have a director yet is, is insane. Yeah. Um, right, because like this this year is nine. Oh, yeah, or eight. Or eight yeah, eight, and then next year would be Han Solo, right? And then it would be nine, yeah. and then Boba Fett. What's the other one they're doing? I think that or Obi Wan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they'll keep going after that. They're not going to be like, all right, guys, I know we're making billions of dollars off this. Let's wrap it up. Right, so there's some speculation that it might get delayed. I'm sure they're trying not to make that happen. Right. uh, Without a a world-class director in place, it's hard to know. When you have such a tight turnaround, uh, you really want someone who can inspire the crew and inspire their confidence, mostly. So... You probably need somebody. How great would it be if like Spielberg showed up? I'm sure oh, he wouldn't because of his uh, closeness with George. But um, he was the first name that popped in my head when you asked for one. So, right. I mean, that would be a wonderful thing. Um, I mean, there's tons of people who could probably do a really good job with it. I mean, I'm not like um, like it is weird. Like I am seeing articles everywhere where it's just like, why can't Star Wars keep a director? But like. It does. It's not necessarily. It doesn't like worry me to, to. It doesn't make me think that the movies will suffer because, at the very least, I expect Disney to be like. To they will delay it instead of rushing it to like get it out. You know, I expect that they'll be like, okay, we can delay this one movie and make it really good, or we can just shove it out the door and it'll be mediocre. Like I'm sure that they will delay it if they. Need I think to. that's the nice thing about working in this franchise that's so beloved is that regardless you could put this movie in february mm-hmm. and it would be the biggest february opening in movie history right you know what i mean like yeah you could put it at the end of august you could put it in in times of the year that are normally shit movie dumping grounds for yeah. like valentine's day horror movies and it would still open huge mm-hmm. because uh, and again with the fans i mean like if episode eight is good and you give us a good han solo movie and it seems like they're committed to at least trying to do that um, or else they wouldn't have changed anything. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. Like, they thought, yeah. If they thought if what they were seeing was mediocre and they're like, well, I guess this was going to be our mediocre one. I think it, it shows to me that they're committed to Han Solo as a character. Yeah. And Star Wars as an entity. Yeah, giving us so, the best possible Right, films. like the, re- the reshoots and the changes on Rogue One. I don't know what the movie was like before, but I thought Rogue One was, it came out well mm-hmm. as a movie. So like... Um, you know, minor uh, qualms aside, um, it's not a perfect movie. No, I mean, we, we talked some... about it on one yeah, of our exactly. episodes. Like, I it had it was problems, like one of our but... first ones. But, yeah, um, but it was, it was still a great, great Yeah, it was movie. entertaining. Like, yeah. And it was engaging, and I think it pushed Star Wars in an interesting direction while still being Star Wars. Right. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. <laughs> um, but, okay, let's... Uh, uh, other big franchise news. Um, I think we talked, we talked about the Joker... Uh, a bit, a bit, a bit, and uh, I, I think I'm not sure if we talked about this, but we I wanted to mention the fact that Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is potentially being eyed for the role of the Joker in the spinoff movie. So it's definitely not Jared Leto, right? That they would be looking for for the standalone Joker movie. But there it, is a different. Wasn't Joker this supposed movie to be a young Joker? Starring, yeah, it would be a Joker origin story. So. Um, yeah, theoretically, would, I don't know. Would would I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio? Leo, Leo's like forty now, or yeah. something. But he still has kind of a baby face. I mean, he sure, he of... looks great. Like I'm nothing against him. Um, and I'm and actually I'm like thinking about it. Like I would at the very least be super interested to see what he would do. Exactly, because like 
I remember when they cast um, the great, what's his face? The Heath Ledger. Deceased, Heath Ledger. Yeah, when they cast him, I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't look like the Joker. And then you saw the movie and you're like, he oh, is he's the Joker. Just, he's just the most tremendous actor yeah. who ever was. Yeah. You know, that's the reason why they cast him. It's because Chris Nolan knows a great actor when he sees right. one. So it was just like, dude. Yeah, that, that's why I think. I think it's interesting to say Leo because I think Leo is one of the more interesting actors we've got. Yeah, as, agreed. Um, I mean, I could do a whole 30 minutes on why I like Leo, but um, basically, in general, I think he has done a lot of fantastic roles, and you could probably say, oh, that's my favorite Leo performance all the way back to Gilbert Grape or Titanic or whatever. Mm. But like, um, I still think he's constantly growing as an actor. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I see him in, when I saw him in one of my favorite movies, um, uh, Django Unchained, I was like, holy shit, he's playing a character he's never played before. This is crazy. And I was just so impressed. And I thought, even though the movie wasn't that good, I thought his performance in uh, Shutter Island was amazing. Uh, so, you know, I mean, like, it's it's a bummer we can't get uh, Leo and Nolan together again. Although I will say I don't think is Shutter uh, Island a Christopher Nolan movie. No, that's a Scorsese movie. Oh, oh, uh, but but uh, Inception. Inception came out the right, same right. year. I say I think or around the same twelve month period. So like uh, I always was bummed that like oh we got the best Leo performance for Shutter Island and then we got the better movie in Inception and I was always bummed. It I mean, I liked him in Inception fine, but uh, you probably I mean, you have a better eye for it than I do. He's great in Inception, but he is acting his fucking ass off in Shutter Island. I still and the movie seen just, it. The movie just isn't that good okay. around him. It's just that his performance is spectacular. And it almost feels like... In, I don't know what the timeline of doing them was, but it almost feels like Inception is like, okay, I'm going to give a more like focused main character performance here. Mm-hmm. Like, generic good guy. Uh, because he had just you know been through a grueling mental performance in uh, Shutter Island, but uh, that's just my perception of it. I don't know what the truth of that is, but I I think he's gone from being what I thought was a was a generic pretty boy to a very nuanced, interesting actor. Yeah, and and I haven't even seen um, that one that he did recently, the uh, the Ruta movie. Yeah, uh, what's that called? The oh. The Damn, Alfonso Cuaron. He would do the best Star Wars movie. I don't know who The director that is. of Gravity and Harry Potter 3. Oh, sure. And Children of Men. Sure. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's the best. Children of Men's like, the, uh, the one with... Um, what is that guy's name? The... Uh, the guy with the, like, the stern face. Yeah. And... He's from uh, Sin City. Yeah. That's um, the one where there's, like, the babies don't get born anymore and this, exactly. they have a pregnant girl. Okay. What is yeah? I can't remember that guy's name. It's like something with a C on it, like Claude. No. Anyway, uh, I'll look it up now. I forget. I forget his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I think you're right. Some Children one. of Men. Let's but yeah, like I, I, I would be pretty interested to see a Leonardo. Clive Gabriel. Owen. Clive. O- yeah, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, would be he, interested to see a, a Joker, uh, by Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I, I always like his stuff, and I actually kind of want to see Shutter Island now that you mentioned that. Even if it's not I, the greatest movie, like just to see v- his visually, it's pretty nice. Um, it's it's kind of a lame story, but I remember really loving his performance, or at least 
if not loving it, just feeling like, damn, he's he's working his ass off in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's putting himself through the emotional ringer. And I, I still uh, need to see uh, what, the movie you mentioned. Uh, what is that one? The, the, the Wilderness one. Yeah, he's... I still need to see that, too. Yeah. It was just in a time when... In that like uh, Oscar dumping ground where they're trying to do the last movies of the year, so they're fresh for Oscar season. Right, and it was just like depressing movie after depressing movie, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, okay, so do I sit through this three hour Tarantino that I've heard isn't as good as the other ones, which is heartbreaking, or do I sit through this other three hour movie uh, that's like a, a clear Oscar grab for Leo, and it's just like, oh man, okay, so it's like I sometimes I'll I will see those movies, but I have to be in the right mood. Oh for yeah, it. Like, definitely. I can't be, in like seasonal affective disorder winter and being like let's watch sad movies (laughs) like that doesn't really work for me yeah um okay the other big news right now is that i don't know if you heard about this trap but there's this show that they're doing called the inhumans which is a marvel show yes a a book called inhumans and uh so this is originally something that they've been talking about for years as one of uh i think kevin fag or faggy i don't know how to pronounce his name uh his uh He's like the the Marvel guy. Um, he basically has it's one of his favorite properties. He's wanted to do a movie for years, but because Guardians of the Galaxy became so popular, it kind of blew up the Inhuman spot. Um, and so, like, all, basically, they're having they had like a Netflix Netflix problem for a while, which is like, wow, we can't cancel anything because all of our properties are doing too well. It's like a problem, a burden of riches. Like, people right. never have this problem. So they said they still wanted to do Inhumans. People were asking about it. So they decided, okay, we'll do it as a TV show. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to take the first two episodes and release them in IMAX as like a special preview for Marvel fans. Huh. So this show is getting reviewed right now, and people are saying, reviews are saying that it is the worst show with the Marvel name. Really? Since all this new you know, Marvel stuff has been coming right. out. Worse than Iron Fist, which is previously the worst right. thing they've done, uh, according to critics. Apparently, Inhumans, like, the best you can say about it is it has a cute dog in it, and everything else sucks. Visually, really? this review I just read um, was so scathing, it said that the, uh, basically, this movie was released in IMAX, uh, and they should have just canceled that deal. Because the movie, outside of the second unit director doing some great establishing shots of Hawaii just looking beautiful on IMAX, this movie, this show is so ugly that you, that it looks ugly for this. It looks like a sci-fi uh, original series from before Battlestar Galactica. Like, before they started making decent-looking shows. Right. Like, it's so ugly. Like, there's a part... One of the... Um, the superheroes in it has, like, is a female character who has hair that can fight. Like, which is something that can, you know, in a comic book would probably be really fun to draw and see. Like, I think her name is Medusa, and, like, that's her bit. Uh. Um, And so, apparently, it's supposed to be cool, but the the guy saw it in IMAX, and people were laughing at it in the theater out loud. Why wouldn't they cancel this deal to do the IMAX thing? Like... I think it's because they're unaccustomed to failure is the big theory. It's like even when people were dealing, when they were dealing with, they're so used to success, when they started getting criticism for Iron Fist, uh, they didn't know how to handle it. They just got really defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. It's like if you've failed a lot, uh, you know how to bounce back from failure. You look at any of Kevin Smith's uh, interviews, he's like, yeah, that one didn't work. But next time I'm going to try something fun. But my movies are for me. You know, he's got this way of like being like, Okay, yeah, it didn't work. He rolls with the punches. Sure. 
but Marvel's in this defensive state. It's like maybe you just you didn't understand it. Do you know what I mean? And it's mm. like, no, we we understand. We like ninety percent of what you make, but like you know, Thor two isn't as good as Thor one. Like you have to accept certain things are they're different in terms of quality. You know, not everything is going to be a knockout of the park. And uh, I think this is just a little bit of hubris on their part. But right now it has it doesn't have that many reviews yet, but it has zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes as of weird. This um, so don't see Inhumans. Well, now I want to see uh, it. Not in IMAX, but I'll watch it. It doesn't. Once. It doesn't sound like it's bad, like fun. No, no, it doesn't uh, seem campy. No, it I, I gotta just see. Like, it's like a like a like a car crash. I just want to see this thing. <laughs> like on on the plus side, though, uh, the Stephen King scary clown movie it is, seems to be uh, getting good reviews. It's gotten great reviews. In, it's gotten eight uh, around eighty uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think like seventy nine percent on Metacritic. So it's um, some people really really like it, and some people um, say it's a little bit disjointed. Including Stephen King, who says structurally it didn't work for him. But of course, this is Stephen King, who famously doesn't like The Shining, uh, the movie that everybody seems to really like. Uh, I side with Stephen King on his <laughs> review of The Shining. I like the movie, but I think the book is better. Um, but I'm not a big, uh, uh, outside of, um, Dr. Strangelove, I'm not a big, uh, Kubrick defender. I think his movies are good, but I, I, I don't go to bat for him, uh, that much. But, uh, so yeah, if you're looking for something scary to see this weekend, there's a good chance that it will work for you. Um, so, uh, I guess by the time you get this recording, you'll know how well it's at the box office. I imagine uh, it will uh, do pretty well. Like, we were talking about it I before so. the show, but like, some of those trailers were pretty, I thought were pretty effective. People no, like, like good scary movies, and outside of Annabelle, there's not really a lot going on right now. Mm. So um, that's it for Eye of Shoron. Um, so let's move on to what we've been playing. I have a ton of games to talk about, but I think we should start with the game that people are probably playing just the same as we are, which is Destiny 2. So Trev, why, why don't you give us uh, some of your early impressions without story spoilers, because sure. you're... You're, you've, I think, completed the main campaign at this point, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I beat the all the story missions. I haven't done all the strikes or anything like that. But it, the game is very structurally... I, it, it, it's very different with the way that it, it feeds you the, the missions. Um, because in Destiny 1, for example, I think you do two story missions, and then you do a strike, and then you do more story missions than a strike. Like, it feeds you the strikes as part of the main story. And in Destiny 2, there's just main story missions. And then after a certain point in the story, you get just a strike playlist with uh, random strikes that you can run, similar to the way you would do it in Destiny 1. Uh, you said that bummed you out because you liked the intermittent strikes in between? It, it didn't bum me out. But like the one thing that does bum me out is the strikes are one of my favorite uh things in destiny like i like those more than doing story missions and stuff it's just it just it's kind of a shame could that you, they could you describe what a strike is like sure. in case somebody has never it's, played it so so it's basically like it, it, you know a, a typical story mission uh in destiny regardless of the story or anything is pretty typical to like a low like a low-end version of a halo mission where it's like not quite as bombastic and big but you're kind of just going through corridors going through these open spaces killing stuff so a strike is Basically, you start in the open world, whatever planet you're on, and you have to get to a certain area, and then there's going to be open world enemies or whatever, and then you get there, and you have to go through, like, 
potentially some puzzle-y stuff, depending on... It seems like there's more of that in Destiny 2 than in Destiny 1 so far. Um, and then you fight uh, some enemies as you go along, and eventually you get to a big arena where there's going to be... And they're all a little different, but most of them, at least, it seems like you get to you know an, an arena, and there's going to be like a big boss, like a big bullet spongy boss that you need to you need to take down with your other two uh, fire team members because that's matchmaking, and there's going to be some some other lesser enemies in there as well. But basically, the end of it is just you take down this huge boss, and then you get potentially loot or whatever rep for your for the vanguard. Um, Speaking of matchmaking, didn't you say that the matchmaking system for raids won't be available until right. after the first it's, it's raid not, has come out? Right. It's not true matchmaking. It's called, I think they call it guided games. It is uh, basically, for instance, the way you and I would do it was say you, you, me, and John were on. We would we would queue up and say, okay, we're three. We're looking for three more that want to do the raid for the first time, blah, blah, blah. I think there's probably going to be like some parameters you can set you know like voice chat needed stuff like that and then the game would try to find us someone and group us together so that we could run the raid um as opposed to destiny one where it's just like you need six people there's no matchmaking whatsoever which which meant that a lot of websites cropped up around placing you with strangers to do raids so they just basically took that and put it in the game now um in that, and I was looking at the schedule today. The raid comes out on the 15th of next week. I think it's the 15th. 13th, 15th. It's Wednesday of next week. Um, so two days after we post this episode. And I was I, I potentially should be raid ready by then. So I was hoping to run it next week. But unless we can find like three more people, we'll have to wait until... I guess we... I, I was also thinking I might just go to the boards and see if I can find anybody. But... Uh, but yeah, that's not going to go in until two weeks after the raid drops, and I assume that they'll continue to do that. Like every time a new raid drops, the guided games version stuff won't be in until two weeks later, is my assumption, because they want people to get comfortable with the raid before they start doing it uh, with people they don't know, because the raids are very intensive on communication and stuff like that. Um, but 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 what I was saying about the strikes was just that I I, I want to do strikes. I want to run strikes with you, sure, and. It's the it's just kind of sucks that you have to play so much of the story before you can start running strikes. Right, right. And I, I've uh, I had a uh, a job interview yesterday, and I got the job. I'm very thrilled about that. Yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, me, Trav, Trav. If we were playing Destiny right now, would do his little cheer emote that he's been <laughs> spamming, uh, which is pretty funny. But uh, so I got it. I was very nervous about the job interview. This is my Destiny two story because. I, I, if you're a fan of the show, he's going to tell you a story you, about a gun. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, uh, basically, if you know anything about me, if you've read anything I've written or have followed my Twitter at all, you know that I'm no fan of Destiny 1. Um, I bought Destiny 1 when it was vanilla. I was very disappointed. I, I played the beta and I was like, this is great. You can run into random people in the world. This is amazing. This is next gen. And um, then I got it and I beat the story. I'm like, that's it? I like the Crucible, but I didn't... Besides Ian, who eventually sold his uh, PlayStation, I didn't have a lot of people to play the game with, and so it felt very lonely. The story, I thought, was really terrible. And Crucible was fun, but there again, not without any people to play with, I was sort of, like, bummed. Yeah, Destiny so, is very much not great when you're solo, no matter right, what the mode I, is. 
and I would probably make the same criticism of it this time, although Agreed. I do think it's it's better. Yeah, but uh, it still is time. Destiny in the sense that, like, if you're playing by yourself, it's okay, but it's not anywhere near as good as it could be. But as you also know, we, we uh, this is the first episode we haven't really even mentioned Overwatch in a long time, really. Mm-hmm. But, like, we play a lot of Overwatch, and we're constantly searching for a new game to play together, but there's nothing that's quite as captivating. And Destiny, everyone's going crazy about it, so I just thought, well, for the show... It might be funny if, you know, I'm the guy who hates Destiny and I get Destiny and I'm complaining about it. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I need something to distract me. It's coming out the same day as the interview. I need something to distract me from the nervousness before the interview. Travel, let's do this. So I talked to him. We pulled the trigger on it. We, uh, we pre, you know, pre-ordered it like five hours before and got the game preloaded and stuff. And um, I was immediately impressed because the... Uh, most the biggest complaints I had about the game going in were that uh, from the last one, the tone was really pretentious. You know, it's like the darkness versus light things seem kind of trite and cliche. And uh, the game felt like humorless and full of itself. And in, from the beginning, it seems like they're like, okay, make the game more bombastic and exciting from the beginning, from the get go. Um, give a clear sense of what's going on from the get-go and what you're supposed to be doing and throw in, I mean, they're not hilarious jokes, but the characters have more personality yeah. and more attempts at humor, let's say. The dialogue they're is trying. still very cliche. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah. And I appreciate that. You know, I don't expect them to be suddenly like Borderlands-level jokes coming at you, and I don't really want that out of Destiny, but I do appreciate the fact that they're trying really hard. And, and again, the dialogue's still bad. They're uh, we were talking about um, yesterday. I was going through my pet peeves in games, mm-hmm. as Destiny like literally did one. Yeah, and one of my one of my pet peeves was um, uh, characters saying, and it's like there's a really funny supercut of evil villains in movies saying, "We are not so different, you and I," to the hero, right? For the heroes tied up. And, like, literally in Destiny, as I was thinking about that, the the evil Goomba-looking guy is like, we are not so different, he and I. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Destiny is full of those little cliche lines. Um, like, as we were playing with John last night, someone said, it's just crazy enough to work. And I'm like, wow, great. So you, too, have seen 100 action movies. Yeah, and that's what yeah. you're, you're like, um, have you met real people? We don't talk this way. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the other pet peeves in the game were... Uh, well, the, f- the first one was that, oh yeah, you like, what happens in the opening sequence is like the bad guy grabs you and like throws you off a thing and leaves you for dead. But of course you're not dead because you're the main character. Right. So it just sort of felt like, why does this happen in games and movies all the time? Why would they, why don't they ensure that they're dead? Like it's a game, like revive me. Ghosts can revive people. That's like one of the things that's, you know, made up. And it's like in this circumstance the ghost couldn't revive him, but like, even so like fudge it, like yeah. find a way to make it work. I just, it's always such a dumb cliche. It's like, uh, I, I played Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and there's a moment like that in that too. And I'm just like, it just makes the bad guys seem incompetent that they can't kill one man right. or one person. It's like, come on. They're no longer um, a threat to the player anymore. Right. When, well, yeah. they fell a long way off screen. I'm sure they're gone. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. Um, and uh, the other one is sequences in the game, like in Dragon Age and in Uncharted 3. And in the beginning of Destiny 2, where your character's injured, mm. but they still make you play. Yeah. So you're, like, stumbling around really slowly. And granted, in Destiny 2, the sequence is really well art des- or designed artfully. It looks really nice. And it has a great sense of foreboding. In general, the music in Destiny 2 is great. The art design yeah. music feels is much really better. great. Yeah, it, yeah it, it just, like, looks like a more stylish game. 
Um, not that Destiny 1 wasn't polished, but it felt sort of like sterile. soulless and vacant. Yeah, yeah. sterile. Um, it was like uh, the, the Star Wars prequels compared to the original Star Wars, right, which yeah. felt like abundant with life, as opposed to the prequels, which felt sort of so composed. Uh, everything on Naboo feels like forced. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, in general, I'm liking it better. And it's like I can forgive those little cliches and like grief uh, grievances because... You know, they are just personal beefs with me and games and all lots of games do these. But, like, I, I expected to hate the game a lot more. And I was so happy that, like, I don't expect, with the short turnaround, I feel like, between, like, the last DLC pack and this game coming out, I didn't expect it to be a huge revamp of all things Destiny and, and how well it sold. Like, they don't really need to do a, right. a page one rewrite on this series. But, like, um, I was, it felt like they heard my notes. You know, it felt like some, I know it's not the case, but it felt like other people had voiced the same concerns that I had. And it was almost like they had listened specifically to my problems with it. And they were like, okay, we're not going to make it the perfect game for Matt, but we're going to, we're going to make some changes. They're going to meet you to in make the middle. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, you know what? The old game seemed to not meet me in the middle at every turn. It wasn't like the overall, like the gameplay was fine in the old game, but just like every individual thing just felt like a little bit off to me and granted i didn't play all the cool uh dlc revisions because i was so burned by vanilla that i was just like eh so i tried to go into this one being like all right you already don't like it but this is a new game let's give it a shot um it'll be fun to play with trav we can talk about it on the show and so far i mean i'm very early on in the game i haven't as much time to spend with it as trav has but uh, I've enjoyed it. Trav and I screwed around just uh, doing, like, having conversations and killing guys. In the, playing uh, soccer. Just, yeah, playing soccer. And, like, it was fun. I felt like, okay, this is kind of a game that we need. Like, it's not as uh, focus-based as Overwatch, even. Yeah. You can just sort of screw around. You don't always have to be doing something. You can just be in-game. I will say that the uh, compared to Overwatch, the the voice, in-game voice chat is a little wonky yeah. sounding. We might want to start um, doing party chat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a workaround on that, but I was just something it was something to note. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm having fun with it. There are still moments where I'm like, okay, like that we talked about that side mission where you have to get your like, um, it's like a different kind of upgrade basically for your specific class. And it just felt like you fight oh, like yeah. 12 more rounds of enemies than you needed to right. in order to yeah, get the, the sub- point. Yeah, the subclass missions are a bit much for me. I just I, I would appreciate them being cut probably into like down to a quarter of what they actually right. are. Right. Basically, um, what happens is they give you a special, a super, an ultimate move um, that's different from the one you've been previously using. You can switch out between them. It's it's pretty and, similar to what uh, they did with Taken King. Like like they did that in Taken King as well because they introduced new subclasses in that, and that's it was it's kind of similar. Whereas then like they they charge your super for you and just throw enemies at you. But it lasts right. about ten times as long as the Taken King stuff did. Right, and it just doesn't feel... It feels like, oh, cool, I've got this thing. I can't wait to go back in the regular game and try it. And it's like, kill six more waves. Yeah. Look around these trees for these last flying hover robots. And it's like, dude, I get it. You're yeah, taking the fun out of it. So- I don't want to use the super anymore. <laughs> I don't ever want to see this again. I, th- I mean, it's a gripe. It's a pet peeve. But it's, like, it's noticeable because in terms of pacing, it slows things way oh, down. Yeah. And it feels like regular Destiny again. Whereas when we're just screwing around and having fun, like, I was like, I'm, I did the same, like, glimmer drill mission over and over. And I yeah. had fun each time. Yeah. Different people would pop in and join us. And it was, like, cool. And, like, the people on your radio, they sound a little bit 
great. And it was like one of my great gripes in the division too. Is like all the characters felt like cliche stereotypes that they were trying to satirize. And like, if you're trying to make fun of every character in the game, then suddenly there's no character that that's likable. Right. And in the old destiny, everyone was too sterile and like, uh, you know, they serve their purpose, but it's like, everyone has a little bit of personality and it's like, maybe they're saying cliches, but like those cliches are tropes that help us understand right. they reflect on the character these, right yeah and they they make them more distinct it's not they're not hard to understand it's not um great engaging dialogue but they're trying right compared it. to <laughs> compared to destiny one where i remember when the taken king came out or one of the dlcs and everybody was like oh yeah they really focused on Cade six more in this one and i like it i like nathan fillion i'm like who the fuck is Cade six Right, you know, like right. they're like because like i wasn't a hunter so why would i know who that is like right and and now like you know i know all the vanguards i mean i already did but like i feel like i have a better view of all the vanguards and like the story is nothing to write home about it's nothing great but there is a story like i always understood why and you I was can doing follow what I was, it and, you can follow it and right. it's slightly better than you know darkness is bad light yeah. is good Whereas, which is like, always my you get to the end of destiny one and it's like and you fight the, you do the final mission in the black garden and it's like what the fuck is the black garden like i realize i've been working towards this moment but i don't know why i don't know why this is important for me Whereas, right like, and i don't i don't know what the personal stakes are for right. my character which is like you sort of already know that because not only is your home getting destroyed in the first you know couple seconds of this game but like also you have a personal vendetta against the guy who threw you off the thing. Right. So it's like, okay, well, that's all I really need. I have a personal beef and I have a world mission. Great, also, his let's boot go. is like six times bigger than your face. Right. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was weird. He's like, <laughs> which huge made me think of Ultra Despair character. Girls and all the conversations about Junko's boobs. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I like Destiny. There's a little bit, like, I think what I said to you was that Destiny. Destiny 2 is very similar to Destiny 1. The The difference is that all the small stuff that I felt like in Destiny 1 they fucked up on, there's more stuff, more of the small stuff they got right in this game that, that makes it more endearing to the player. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And uh, the one, th- I, the I one big thing that it seems like they did fuck up on was the shaders, which everyone's talking about today. Right, and you explained that to me. And, and as someone who didn't really play that much of the first game inside of Crucible... Um, it didn't make a uh, big difference to me, but as a hardcore fan of the game, it's something you should probably know going in that they did change the shaders. Right, the shaders were like an uh, like a an item that you would find, uh, or or get out of a loot chest or whatever in Destiny One that you could just equip or you could equip a different one. And it, but it was an item that you always had. And now Dest- with Destiny Two, they are consumables. When you get shaders, you will get like three of this specific shader. If you put one on something and then take it off, it's gone. You don't get a new one. It doesn't re- get replaced. They're they're finite, and you can now color your each individual piece of armor. It's no longer like you equip one shader and it colors all your armor. You can equip them individually to weapons to armor, um, which that part's I'm fine with that. It's just the part that, like, like I remember, like, when Destiny 1 came out, base Destiny, like, Chatter White, I think, was, like, a big uh, a big one. Because it was, like, a solid white, and everybody wanted that one. And people would find it, and it was, like, a it was another thing they found, you know, like an exotic gun or something. And now, it's just, I don't know. One of the reasons people are mad about it is because you can buy these boxes with shaders in them with real money. So, right. so it does it doesn't look good for Bungie to be, like... 
it looks like they're milking their their player base and it just it, it's not a good look and then I, I i read an interview where the the lead director um i think he was lead director i don't remember his exact title but he was saying that he wanted there's like specific shaders to specific planets and zones and he was saying that they wanted to be like one more collectible thing that you could find out in the world um he said that once you hit level 20 you'll start getting more of them which i can confirm you do start getting more of them once you hit level 20 because after that every level you level up you get a an engram that could that should that should potentially give you shaders every single time you get one so but it, it's just it's 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 for how much they simplified a lot of what is in destiny 2 from destiny 1 this just seems way more complicated than it was before i think they it is milking it you know and i, oh, I yeah. think the uh well we'll get to see we've seen a lot of opportunities for blizzard to respond to what's gone wrong in overwatch and they have you know it might take them a long time to roll it out on console for us but uh They've been fairly attentive. Yeah, they they almost listen too much to complaints. Yeah, uh, because they are such an attentive video game virtual girlfriend as far as companies go. Uh, whereas uh, I I don't know how Bungie will be. Bungie yeah, seems be a little bit thing. more stubborn and precise. So I think this is actually a good opportunity to see how far they're willing to bend and how much they're willing to say no. This is how Destiny is played. Right. This is how it works. So I think I think they're already on the path towards bending, and I hope they consider. Um, you know, I don't think you should always give your players every single thing that they they really want because sometimes you know it's it'll contradict other things. Right. You know, it's what a player wants is to feel like a god all the time. If uh, you know, not every player is is wise enough about knowing that they want a challenge. Right. It right. seems reasonable. If you asked a kid what they want, it's like I want every power. You know. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of thing. I think that there but is a middle ground they could find. I, oh, I think so, too. I just hope that they lean towards... I hope it, they go 50-50 with yeah. it. Uh, because I feel like the vibe in the old Destiny from the beginning always felt like, wow, they're really just ignoring what we want. Mm. Um, but I think that eventually... Or they were just so misguided, yeah. Yeah. So those those are my thoughts on Destiny. We'll have more stuff yeah, to we'll, talk about it in the coming weeks. These are still um, just first impressions. Like, despite me beating the campaign and getting to the level cap, anybody that's played Destiny knows that, you know, the right. game's... St- like, like it's funny because this isn't a spoiler, but when you finish it, it does the credit roll and everything, you know, and then it 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 shows the logo again and it, it shows Destiny Two just like it does in the intro to the campaign. And I really felt that like that was like okay, that was your intro. Now go and play the game, <laughs> right? Like that's literally right. what it seemed like they were doing to me. So I still it am very sense. early, yeah. And I'll have more to say next week or next episode. Okay, great. Same here. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it more tonight. Yeah. Um. So let's talk a little bit about Ultra Despair Girls. Um, we've both been playing this uh, a little bit, and uh, I might, I'm I, might a lot said, f- I might have said this last episode, but if anyone's having trouble with the controls in that, like what you said, sure, playing it like it's a survival horror game with bad shooting, that has totally yeah. changed my mindset and made it way better. Right, and yeah, there's that thing where it's like I found a power up in Ultra Despair Girls that allowed me to move the reticle faster. Yeah. So that's the kind of game you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, con- the, I mean, the funniest moment I had last night was like, I was like, I'm going to, it's, it's, I usually have a handheld game that I play a little bit, uh, before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it used to be Phoenix, Wright, And I'm done with those. Unfortunately, I still miss them. I can, you can hear, you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> um, and, uh, right now it's ultra despair girls. Travis like, why don't you play it? I was like, okay. So I, I gave it a shot, and I'm really enjoying it a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, anybody that 
sorry, anybody that doesn't know, this is Danganronpa as well. We're not just playing yes. some weirdo so, game called Ultra Despair Girl. I mean, it's it's still. I mean, I guess very, it's pretty weird. Very, game. It is some weird game yeah. called Ultra Despair Girls, but it is the technically um, it takes place between I think Danganronpa one and two. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, but it uh, was released after Danganronpa two came out. Um, it is not in the original Danganronpa games that we've talked about these before, but just briefly, you're uh, a main character. They're like visual novels where you're trapped inside an environment with other uh, high schoolers. Your character is a high schooler too. And, um, uh, you're, you're, the, the rule is you're part of this killing game where, um, whoever gets away with murder can leave this environment and go back to their family who have been like probably kidnapped or being tortured or something. Um, and everyone else will die. But if you get caught and they can prove that you did the murder, then only you die. So it's like everyone is in this personal battle to be like, well, do we sit and live here in peace and worry about our family or do we try to get away with murder? So it's a psychological horror type game. And um, so this game's a little bit different, though. It's a shooter. It's a third-person shooter where you use a hacking gun that's like a megaphone to kill Monokumas, who are these robot bears, who are prominently featured in the series. And there's just a bajillion of them in this game. And you use different uh, hacking gun powers. Um, uh, like I just got one that's like a flamethrower. Hmm. And uh, and some of them can like you know knock them back. And there's different kinds. Some there's a dancing bombs. one that I like a lot. Yeah, there's a dancing one that can make one of the Monokumas start dancing. And the others go over and are very attracted to the dancing. Because <laughs> who wouldn't be? Um, but... Uh, so this game is, I don't want to get you wrong with the dancing bears, this game is horrifyingly twisted. In some ways it is more twisted than its predecessors because um, the bad guys in this one are little kids and it, it's slowly, the kids are really twisted and are trying to kill adults is sort of like the main through line of the, the story. And uh, they you'll learn that these kids have horrific pasts, bad things have happened to them. And some of the bad things are really twisted. These games have some fan servicey elements that are questionable. Um, in a, I'd love to do a curse is spoiled again about this at some point where we talk spoilers. Sure. Not this episode though, but sometime when Trav finishes the game, because there's one sequence that I just did that made me super uncomfortable and was probably the weirdest moment in Danganronpa for hmm. me. Um, and I'm very excited for Trav to get to it. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird game, but I'm also playing another very weird game right now called Yakuza Four, um, which is also has these weird moments. Uh, I just had a moment where I was playing as a guy who just got out of prison, and he feels he gets woken up by this like girl who who found him. Basically, he washed up on shore on me. He washed up <laughs> on the beach, and uh, this girl like 12 years old like wakes him up, and he like pins her to the ground like out of fear. That he's, she's, he's being attacked and then there's this weird moment where they're staring into each other's eyes and it's this uncomfortable moment where you're like oh my god is this character going to try to have sex with this underage girl that sounds like some, that sounds like some peace walker stuff yeah but it's like way more crazy than anything i could have imagined and like nothing ends up happening but it is like a moment of weird tension and uh, I, I got Yakuza as, I think, a PS Plus game on PS3. Yeah. I've always been curious about these games. Um, I've been having fun with games that take place in Japan and have a very J- Japanese sensibility since Persona earlier this year. I've been sort of in that mood. And um, in, in this Yakuza game, basically, you're 
These games have really, really long cutscenes. The story is very slow moving, but the story is really good. Um, and basically, this game starts off with like you're a loan shark, uh, basically, but you're a um, a loan shark with a heart of gold, <laughs> who is basically giving people loans to fix their lives. But he's also sort of a creep and does things in like in weird ways. He he lives in this like district in Tokyo where it's like he runs this like m- sort of maid cafe type thing. Uh, where it's like the hostess cafes where like basically guys go in and they talk to her. It's like, it's like a cross between, it's like if a strip club offered the girlfriend experience, basically, where it's like the girls just sit and talk with you for a while and you try to pick them up on dates. Like this is apparently a thing in Hmm. Tokyo. So your character owns one of these clubs and one of the mini games in the game is you asking girls if they want to work for your club and then teaching them how to be better hostess and how to flirt with guys better. (laughs) It's very bizarre. Uh, and that game, even though and it has this whole like Barbie dress up thing where you dress the girls up, <laughs> it's like really bizarre. But the game does have ultra fan servicey moments uh, that are also a little bit bizarre. Like there's a ping pong game that you can play where you go to the spa and you play ping pong against a girl who's there. And if you get your power, uh, like you basically, if you get enough uh, hits playing ping pong successfully. You're, this meter will build up, and if you get to the top, you can do like a power serve, basically, mm-hmm. and the ball will fly and hit the girl you're playing against in the chest, mm. um, and she will fall over and emit an orgasmic moan, as if the pleasure of being hit in the chest by a ping pong ball was so great that it was, <laughs> uh, you know, unbelievable. And there's also, if you hold L2 at any point while playing ping pong, the camera will zoom in on the girl's breasts, which are not like um exposed in any way right they're like beneath like a sweater or something but like you can still see them moving like they're animated yeah and it's like a part of the game so much that there's a button command for it. it's not a secret code it's like a main function of this game and and of the three mini games i've played involving women that is somehow the it might be the most sexist but there is another one that is even more uh offensive insofar as you go to a massage parlor and you have to keep tapping a meter up and down as the uh, as this like provocative like sensual music is playing, and this girl is in all these fan surfacey poses. And even though they don't explain uh, out and out what the meter is, it seems like what they're trying to say is that you have to maintain a certain amount of tension so that your character does not ejaculate his pants while he's getting massaged. Have you have you messed up the mini game on purpose yet? I mean, it's hard. It's a hard mini game. Okay. It's it's easier to mess up than not. And when you mess up, it shows a picture of a crying baby to show that you are not a man. Weird. It's really, really. That weird. sounds really weird. And what's craziest about this game is that like these are just random mini games that you can do or not do in the city. Like the mm. one where you have to dress up the girl and have her be a hostess is um is is part of the main story in one point. But, like, you only have to do it once. Um, and it's sort of like, it's not a big open world, but it sort of, like, has that GTA vibe where it's like you could go to any of these. You don't drive, but you'd go to any of these locations, go to the batting cages and just screw around for a bit um, in between missions. And so it, it's sort of like, you don't have to do these things, but they are in the game and they are really kind of gross and fan surfacey. They're kind of hilarious, too, just that they exist. But they, it's something you should know, I think, about going in. If you're not comfortable with this kind of thing, and really, who is? Because it's really bizarre. Mm. Uh, you know, you should be aware of that stuff. 
But what's interesting about the game is that, like, it oscillates between the super cartoonish beat-em-up and a fairly compelling dramatic story. Um, Like, there are some comedic and ridiculous moments of it, but, like, there are points where it's like, wow, this is better than some movies I've seen. Like, it has... I don't really want to get into it, but basically, like, you have dealings with the Yakuza, who are, like, the Japanese mafia, and have all these different warring families. So, if you're interested in Japanese culture or just, like, The Sopranos, there might be some thing in it for you there um and if you have ps plus you might actually have it i think trav would really like the game um although the combat does get kind of repetitive after a while just because it's pretty it's not it's beat em up and it's not even as intense as like arkham city which i think is like or god of war which i think are like high parts for sort of beat em up it's definitely not up there with like bayonetta or anything like that um, so that's the weird games I've been playing. I've got some other ones here too, but wh- why don't you do one, Trav? Uh, okay. So I, I've, uh, I've almost beaten, uh, Mario and Rabbids. Oh, right. Kingdom yeah. Battle. I think it's what Mario it's plus Rabbids. Yeah. Mario plus <laughs> Rabbids Kingdom Battle on Switch. Um, I, that's a very good game. Um, yeah, I'm excited to start it. I yeah. have my copy of it, but not a Switch. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, it, it's kind it plays like it the the way you interact with the world is very much like XCOM at least during the battles. Um outside of battles you have a little Roomba dude that that you move around and Mario and his two buddies whoever they are at the time follow it and there's light puzzle solving elements in the world and everything and then you'll get to two flag posts and that signifies that you're going to go into a battle. And once you're in the battle there's it's got, you know, half cover and full cover like XCOM and everybody has a weapon uh or two weapons actually. And then they have uh, some abilities, like all the Mario characters. So uh, Mario, Luigi, uh, Yoshi, and Peach have Overwatch, basically, where you know they, if uh, if an enemy moves into their sight lines, they will shoot the enemy. Um, and all the rabbits are more like physical based, where they can like as they're moving, they can uh, dash into enemies and then keep going, which all the characters can do. But the the rabbits are more focused on like hitting multiple enemies uh, in one run. Uh, Ugh, these switch cartridges taste terrible. Did you really just do it? <laughs> yeah. I do it too, but I'm gonna have a switch cartridge next to me, so. Ugh. Um, Ugh. But it's not even like a powerful. I thought it was gonna taste like a skunk, mm. but it's just like maybe this one isn't coated in "Don't Eat Me" as much as the rest of them will. I'll be tasting switch cartridges throughout my entirety as a switch player. But I thought. Oh man, I have the thing right here. Oh, it's still, it's like an aftertaste. Yeah, that's what Ian told me that it lasted like a while. Um, maybe I'll, maybe next week I'll Ugh. try uh, I'll try Zelda and we'll see if that one because that's an older one. So we'll see. Um, Ugh. Trap, don't do it. <laughs> well, I don't do it. Do it at the end of the show, sure. You don't do it when we have like a little bit of time left. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I'll do it at the end of next week. Next episode. Uh, Go on. So I probably shouldn't have licked the part that's like the cartridge connector. Either. No, no, you licked the other. No, anyway, uh, <laughs> mine doesn't work anymore. But I don't have a switch to test it on. <laughs> so uh, also, it bumps me out how small these games are. Really? I I, I like the boxes, even though they're. Oh, I do like the too, boxes. They're like cool, wildly but... too big, and we don't need boxes that size. No, um, but I like the design of yeah. them. I mean, they're cool. Yeah. But like, ugh, they taste bad though. Well, I don't not, know why not you guys. Eating. What? They're not for eating. <laughs> I thought that was the whole point no. of tasting them. No. 
No, no. See, that's huh. that. That was the old system. The old system was the one where you would taste it, and, and the 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 taste would go to your brain, and then you'd play the game in your brain. That was the old system. That was. Oh, I could still taste it. It's bitter. Anyway, without getting too technical about Mario and Rabbits, like it is very good. Mario versus XCOM. Um, XCOM Unleashed. It's there's a lot more move. It's a lot more movement based. Uh, like you know, setting stuff up. than XCOM is XCOM is more about. Uh, reacting to bad shots taken by you or the enemy or stuff like that. Mario is very much more, it's like about setting up stuff and then watching it go because you'll always be able to see if you're going to be able to hit an enemy. There is no like 63.9% chance to hit on this enemy. It's either 0%, 50% or a hundred percent based on their cover and where, and if you're flanking or not. Um, And, and you'll be able to see that percentage before you move your character so you can set stuff up. And it's 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 a lot more about just, like, setting your plan to action and then executing the plan. Um, Coca-Cola makes it better. But you should put the Switch cartridge in the Coke and then drink the Coke. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, it's a great game. I think Switch owners should definitely play it. Um, it is, yeah, I'm very excited to play it. It is a, a another big game. Despite I know I know lots of people have problems with the rabbits. I've never really played a game with rabbits in it before. I think they're fine, but they, you know, if this was like the sixth game of with the rabbits in it that I played, they might be like grading on me by this point. I've but, always liked the rabbits, but they do seem like Ewoks. You know? Yeah, they're kind I mean, of they seem like, fine. There's there's lots of funny stuff. You'll just find them randomly out in the open world, and you can just click A on them, and, and it'll say stuff like. There's one that was kind of weird where. There, there. Every so in this game, in some of the worlds, there's like stuff has been blown up to like huge sizes. Basically, like, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in reverse or whatever. <laughs> um, except Mario and his friends are the kids, and there's these two rabbits that you see, and they're standing on top of a garden hose. And you know how some garden hoses have like that white line, that real thin white line in them. They sure. they're each on one side of it, and the your little. Uh, the Roomba, the little Roomba dude that you that you control is like, hey guys, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a garden hose. It's not a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a border. It's it's a garden hose. You guys can be together. Just step over the line. <laughs> and there's like little stuff like that where you find you find rabbits death level just doing dumb stuff. Like there's one in the in the in the hub world that's like above a pipe and there's water going up on him and the Roomba's just like. Well, that sucks, but at least his behind is really clean. <laughs> like, there's just little stuff like that to find out in the world, you know. That, that is it true that Rabid Yoshi is insane? That's what I've heard. I haven't spent much time with him. You get him pretty late, um, but he does seem kind of insane. And his his gun, his weapon is a minigun. So um, <laughs> that sounds cool. But yeah, like they all have different classes. Like you have to have Mario in your party at all times, but then you have two right. other slots that you can select. Um, well, Mario, Mario is the party planner. Mario, I like talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Back to the Future Seven, Mario strikes again. Um, so, oh my god! Uh, but oh my god! What? I think I just got a confirmation email about my Switch. Oh really? Like right now? Uh, Let's see. Yep, we've shipped your order. What, what's your uh, expected delivery date so people can go to your house and steal it? Uh, I'm not saying, but let's say it's a day in September that uh, was very unpleasant a few years back. Okay. All right. I think I know. <laughs> Can you think of a day in September well, you know, that was not very good, yeah, let's say? Yeah. And then a few people will be playing a lot of Dragon Quest games as a result of it for the rest of their lives. Oh. 
I think that took me a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, every, and and all the characters fit into their kind of classes. Like Mario is the all arounder. Uh, Rabid Peach is the healer, which you kind of need. She's uh, a girl, so she's a healer. Uh, Rabid Luigi is like a defensive heavy weapons expert. I want to say his secondary is a rocket launcher. <laughs> uh, Wait, Rabid Luigi is like a demolitions guy? Yeah, it seems like that. Or he's like a defensive character. Uh, Luigi's a sniper, of course, because his gun is a, uh, a vacuum. That later on turns into <laughs> something else. Um, is it the flood? It's the or EGAD vacuum thing. It's it's the, it's the thing from Luigi's Mansion. I don't I don't know. That's awesome. Um, or at least that's what it looks like. I don't know what they actually call it, but um, but yeah, he's right, he's right, right. he's got no health. I eventually had to take him out of my party. He was like my my best <laughs> character, and then I got to the last world where the game gets extremely hard because it starts out really easy, and then it gets extremely hard, and I had to take him out of the party because he would kill like two of them and then die in one turn because he had no uh. health. Um, and then uh, it, but luckily I switched him out for regular Peach, who is a tank for some reason um like she's there to she soaks up damage from she has an ability that will soak up damage from the other party members with her and then she has a way to heal as well so she's literally a tank um which is sort of like in mario rpg where she's just very valuable to have Mm -hmm. yeah but 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 yeah people switch owners should definitely play this game like it's it's very good it's it's probably the the best game we've gotten on switch single player only game that we've gotten on switch since zelda unless i'm forgetting something sure um all right so upon trav's recommendation i picked up well i already had it but i played deus x mankind divided and did not have a great time with it um i liked i liked the there were some points where like the fluidity of the stealth and the combat and the mix of missions was like top notch i was like oh i've never played a game quite like this but there are other times, I mean, like, for me, the the part that I think sticks out is, like, why the stealth system just felt, like, kind of dumb compared to Metal Gear. Is, one, the controls are really obnoxious. Um, I would just like to state for the record, I disagree, but continue. Well, I mean, you have to agree that some of the things just don't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, eventually I get, get to the point where the controls, it's not that, like, a majority of the controls shouldn't be there or something, but like, uh, they just seem like the, the buttons chosen are sort of odd. I, I like, it, you know, to be fair, I was coming from playing human revolution. Cause I played that in the lead up to mankind divided, which I think that one right. has worse controls. Um, the controls for, for mankind divided. I liked them fine. I thought that they, they made sense to me at the time and even going that's back a, that's a dog's ears flapping yeah. in the background yeah just and in case you're <laughs> even even going back to it to check my save because uh, you and i were trying to figure out something and uh playing it then like the ru- run being on triangle that's stupid like that doesn't make any yeah. sense but yeah. besides that i felt like most of the control decisions seemed fine especially considering that they had to fit all this stuff on a controller that doesn't have enough buttons to cover all of the things they wanted covered Right, but I I just feel like it felt like uh, it was designed to be a very coherent PC game mm-hmm. and not designed with console in mind in the way the systems were built. Just because, and, and that's like not really a fault of the game. I played the last one most recently on uh, on PC and had a, a lot of fun with it, um, and I felt like it was perfect like you know each of the there's so many keys and each of them does you know what it needs to do right um but uh 
I I just thought it was a little awkward. I mean, like holding hold holds. Okay, so if you tap square, you'll reload. If you hold square for f- like three to four seconds, I didn't have that problem. You're talking about holstering, right? If you hold square and then press L one. No, if you if you hold square for two seconds, if you hold square briefly and then pr- uh, press L two, you'll holster. Mm. If you hold square and press R two. You'll switch weapons. Okay, that's that's not really impossible. But if you hold square for longer than two seconds and don't haven't pressed L two yet, um, then you'll bring up a gun menu that allows you to change your bullets. Right. Um, and I didn't feel like that menu was necessary. No. At well, any point you, in the can't game. you do it in the regular pause menu? You can. I want to say so I, I never used that menu. Like I knew it was there, and I was just like, "This seems redundant," and never used it. Right. That's. I think that was like a key problem with it for me. It's like I don't mind that I have to hold square and press L two. I do mind that if I hold it for too long, I'm going to bring up a menu right. I don't need. Sure. Combat, that makes sense. Which I thought was silly, and I also thought clicking in on R three or L three to bring up my invent or my powers or guns wheel is is cumbersome and uh and not ideal Mm. like i i i like the fact that i hold them and especially because they also do other things right too so it's like again you you have to you can press these buttons um to like stick to cover or i think crouch but if you hold them then they bring up this inventory thing too so it, it just it felt like um it just felt a little awkward in compared to other first person sure. games it, it was like you have to learn this entire system um it wasn't the worst thing in the world and after you get used to it it's fine but the game isn't super long if you're just playing it through the story which i did i i, I understand there is a bunch of side quests that right. i just missed like i wasn't skipping them on purpose no yeah. but there were there are a Some bunch of them are quite hard see. to find yeah you really gotta yeah, they just require go a little bit weird weird side right. passages and exploration stuff. and yeah. stuff like that and i was just sort of like oh, i just want to play through and see what's happening because like from the beginning to the end, I did not enjoy the story. Yeah. I was like, this is really convoluted. There aren't really any personal stakes for Adam Jensen, like there were in the past game, where you're trying to figure out stuff about Megan, um, who, like, you know, matters to you, find the people who, again, uh, left you for dead. So it's like, uh, in this one, it just felt like, okay, I'm trying to uncover this mystery, but it's really convoluted. Right. And it felt like I was reading somebody's, like, Tom Clancy fanfic, mm. where it's, like, all this stuff, and it's like, uh, I just didn't care. I I, th- I thought it was presented really well. Like I like I like the way that game looks, the vibe of it, and the the art. Oh direction. yeah, Prague but is the really actual cool story of be. it. I, I I tend to agree with you. Like if anything, I felt like it was way too similar to Human Revolution story without the personal stakes. I thought it was kind of yeah, it's it, true. It, it, it was kind of beat for beat that story. It seemed like to me, but without the. I agree. The, Structurally, it's almost exactly the same. The only real difference is that now you're in this sort of like apartheid type situation right. with like where you're constantly stopped by the cops and they're like, oh, you're an AUG and oh, you have this special thing, which I think is kind of also a missed beat. And I know they talked about this in the Kotaku review about how it felt like uh, it was a little bit too on the nose with like immigration stuff. Mm. I didn't find that to be the case, but I found that like it kind of misses the point where it's like cops are stopping you and making you feel like a second class citizen. Uh, it doesn't really work if your character has a magic pass that allows them to get away with everything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, well, the yeah, every every immigrant or 
a person of, of a different skin tone or whatever would love to have that magic pass. So you, it sort of makes the, 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 either the satire or the political commentary, social commentary that moment uh, negated immediately. It's like you start with something and then it's like, oh, I didn't realize you were magic Adam Jensen. So it was sort of like, okay, fine. And I thought like if you're going to introduce social commentary, at least have it go somewhere. Right. And it, it really kind of didn't. And then I, it feels like the ending of this game is supposed to dovetail into the very first Deus Ex game. Uh, like way, way, way before uh, the series got rebooted into these prequels. And I think as a result of that, um, it couldn't find its own voice. It was too busy about making ends meet. And so as a result of that, even its post credit scene seemed like, okay, sure. Um, but like it didn't, it didn't make me care anymore. Sure. The best parts of the game are my favorite parts of any of this kind of games. Same thing I like about um, Watch Dogs 2, which also didn't really have a great overall story. But it did have really fun individual, like, chapters and, like, individual situations. And probably and characters. better characters, yeah. Oh, tons better characters. Although the um, the characters, some of the characters in Deus Ex are, are interesting and well-drawn. They're just not necessarily as likable or I, as in-depth. I thought that stuff um, was pretty interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember if this was a side quest or not, so I'm kind of curious. If you go to, like, the Red Light District and sure. there's, like, a... Like a, like a a woman there that like runs one of the sh- one of the like it's it might be a brothel I don't remember D- does that ring a bell yeah okay. the girl who is like well yeah yeah I remember there's a ghost there's an old lady who sits at the table who's like sort of like the uh, I forget what you call it but the the person in charge of the right. the brothel and then there's also a lady who like is dating or married to one of the crime families right, who runs right, right, the yeah. thing yeah and then you like help her and stuff. And there's also an interesting side quest that's like a murder mystery side quest thing that's fun. Um, but the main story isn't as interesting right. or as personal as that at any point. Um, and they try to make it kind of interesting by giving you this like sidekick character who's always saying man all the time. The I think she's like South American woman. Mm-hmm. She, has, she has an American accent, but she, I think she's... Um, I'm, I'm not sure really where she's from. But she looks, I guess, pseudo-Hispanic. It's hard to tell. Everything's in the dark. So it's hard to that tell what it yeah. is. But um, it doesn't really matter. But um, it's, you know, it's a game that has some, like, European and worldly flair. But, like, not not a ton of it other than the prog thing. And it's not like it's not like it's a bad game. But it, it's a game that I would file under didn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's in no way a bad game. Um, and, and, and I, I understand. Just, I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I understand why it wouldn't work for you. Like, the... The, the the stuff that that you dislike it wasn't like I loved that stuff I think the control thing is just there's just something in my brain that like I I saw the control scheme looked at it and was like this makes this makes sense to me it, um, it wasn't like I didn't get used to it right. eventually it was it, just it does that seem I thought, disjointed and kind of stupid though like I thought it, it it was asking a lot of me to learn such a convoluted system that never felt more beneficial than like the cover system in GTA right. which also has a lot of buttons. That they, you know, GTA has a, a ton of different systems and stuff like that and sub-menus and all this convoluted stuff, especially in the online thing. But I always felt like I knew what I was doing there for the most part. Mm. And there's a ton of cover-based games that have different radials and, like, you know, between mass the Mass Effects and, you know, it's like Andromeda, I thought, you know, I obviously hate it for a lot of reasons, but, like, I didn't think that the way it controlled was one of them, really. No. I, I, I'm always going to prefer a, like, press a button to get in the cover. But besides that, the controls were fine in Andromeda. Sure. Um, and I, uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. That was a problem in Andromeda. I forgot about. The I thought it worked okay. Covered. It just I would I'm always gonna want to buy. It didn't. It didn't always work. Right. There that were there the were thing. special cases where like stuff was like, Stick, is this cover? sticky cover? Just feels really good. Yeah, I think yeah. for a gamer because it gives you a sense of security, which is the thing they um, did originally in Mass Effect two and three. I don't know why they anyway. We don't need to harp it, on it. I, I think I think theoretically, like I understand why theoretically you'd want to explore non sticky cover because it's like it feels more fluid mm. and like in real life you don't do that but i feel like there's tons of stuff in video games that feel great that you don't do in real yeah, life totally <laughs> like sleep with hookers <laughs> um but uh yeah i yeah I, I i didn't really like mankind divided i liked uh, hum, uh human revolution I, a lot more i think the aesthetic of human revolution is probably better like i like uh i don't remember i think it's bangkok you go to the place with the hive yeah yeah, like, yeah, I love that area, and there was nothing really yeah. reached that quite that high for me in Mankind Divided. I just I, there's I, a place part where you go into the Aug City and like you're sort of like yeah, the, uh, like sneaking the slums. around all that stuff, and yeah, the slums. Yeah, I, I, I like that, that segment. Yeah, that was probably the I high mean, point I'm, of the game for me. The missions and stuff. It's just like all the other stuff in between. Right. wasn't that great. Agreed. And just and in overall, just like Adam Jensen is just Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, mm-hmm. and the farther we get from the Matrix, the less his whispery, you know, pseudo tough thing is. I, I don't. I don't hate him as a character. I just. I just don't think of him as a character. Yeah, I, think I guess I don't really either. Like, like I, his voice is fine to me. He's kind of whatever. But again, without personal stakes in 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 Mankind Divided, I was just like, I kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, like those his his romantic interest and in the, the accident that happened to him and him trying to figure out, am I a human or an og? Am I a RoboCop? Like, what am I? In the first game, is the story to me right? And like they sort of bring that up in this one, but it never goes anywhere. So it's sort of like yeah, there's hmm. weird, there's weird, uh, like they bring back certain characters in weird yeah, they ways bring back from Seraph. Human Revolution, yeah, specifically and, Seraph, yeah, like and Seraph's like, oh man, something crazy happened to you. Anyway, it'll never come up by the end of the game, and you're like, oh, which which is okay. a huge like red herring. Like you think that that's going to be like the thing, and then right, it it comes back up again, but not in like a satisfactory conclusion type thing. Yeah, from what I remember, yeah. again, it's been like a year and a half since I played it, but. And there's some DLC, I think, that touches on it, but that's not a great thing to introduce a plot thread in your main game and then not pay it off. Also, if and you miss also, Pritchard, play the DLC. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. yeah. Um, I also finished Far Cry Primal, mm. which I, I recommend insofar as it's a great mindless fun game. Again, not a very good story, and but it's such a bare-bones like adventure that it's just like, if you want to ride a saber-toothed tiger, this is the game for you. Sure. You know, it's like there's not a lot going on besides it, but mechanically it works. And um, cerebrally, there's not much going on, but like it's still fun, man. I I, I dug it. I, I had much more fun with that than I did with Deus Ex consistently. Anyway, there sure. was a moment I think in Deus Ex where I'm like, wow, this gameplay is great. But there was also a moment in Deus Ex where I threw a dead body towards a guard just to, to attract them to me, and the guard just walked by it, and I'm like. This is not Metal Gear. No, yeah, like, that's that 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 does that sounds weird. I didn't try that stuff, but that does sound weird. Um, yeah. Um, I finished Hollow Knight. Did I already talk about that last episode? I really liked Hollow Knight, and I recommend it when it comes to Switch. Definitely get it. Um, I'm actually I'm actually and, thinking about like even though I got it on PC, I got it on sale. Maybe I maybe I'll get it on Switch if it's not too expensive because that'd be a nice I, game. To I have. think you would enjoy it too. And, yeah. Uh, as an action combat game, if there's any slowdown, it destroys you in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, I had so much slowdown on my Mac. Oh, really? Um, oh. And it was just like, I had to turn off particle effects and stuff, and that helped a little bit. But it's like missing wall jumps and shit. Oh, my God. You just want to rip your beard out if you're me. Um, 
I'd also I've been playing more Civ Six and I've been liking it. Civilization Six. Did you get the patch and yet? Is there a new one? No, no I don't we, think we I, talked I, about I, it like last episode, I think. And I I had had. I don't think it's out yet. Okay, uh, for Mac anyway. But uh, the one thing I want to talk about is there's this horrendous bug in Civ Six right now that I really I just reached out to Asper who does the Mac version of it um, and send them all my information because it's just awful. Um, so there's this. In Civ Six, uh, like in Civ Five, Brave New World, you can send um, spies to different civilizations mm -hmm. and steal their technology, uh, take their money, destroy their like launch pads for their rockets and stuff like that. A great feature. And if you, I was playing as I play, I pick like random hero, uh, random civ, and uh, they give me France. And one of France's powers is that they have like more spy powers, basically. Right. So. Long story short, I'm playing this really exciting uh, game. I'm very deep into it, and um, I'm using you know the sieve that needs spies in order to function at its the height of its power. So there's this bug that like when you're picking a uh, a spy uh, where you want to send the spy to, you pick from a list of cities, and there's a bug that prevents you from scrolling through the full list of cities. Oh, and the the scroll bar takes up the whole side of the thing, so you can't scroll at all. And the only fix for it is to close down uh, or basically reload your save. And the problem with Civ is it takes a long time to load. And since I'm playing on Mac, it takes a really, really long time to load. If I was playing on a super fast computer, maybe this bug would just be like, oh, ho hum, I'll quick load and I'll be done. But on Mac, which the game is released for, you know, yeah, it should yeah. function and shouldn't have this bug, first of all, but doesn't also have like a quick workaround in the game. Like it makes basically if you have a ton of cities, your cities appear at the top of the, of the city list because you can have them do counter spying there. Mm -hmm. So basically, I can't send my spies to any enemy cities unless I reload the game every time. Which you and, might as well go make some dinner while you're doing that. Right, exactly. And beyond that, if you if you pick a city. Uh, to look at it um, when when the glitch is not happening, mm. there's a chance that when you're like, mm, no, this city doesn't have a great work of art to steal. I'll pick another city. When you go back to the previous menu, boom, the bug might be in effect again. Uh. So you might, just when you're surveying different cities, you might take like what would be normally a two to three minute turn and turn it into a 30 minute turn. Uh, and in a game, and it's like, well, maybe I just won't use my spies. In a game like Civ, which when you're playing on in at the best each turn really starts to matter towards the end, especially you're basically saying, no, I won't research these 10 technologies that'll help me win the game. Yeah. Instead, I'll let the computer win and waste the past 300 turns because this bug just started right. happening. Yeah. That, that, that um, does sound pretty bad. And people have been reporting this since March. It has been patched. So I'm, I'm just going to boycott the game for now until they fix this mm. thing because it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's real. That's real crazy. So that's that's everything I've been playing. Um, do you have any others you want to talk about? Uh, no, I mean little stuff here and there. Like I played, uh, I played uh, Next Machina, which is uh, the new. Well, actually, it's the it's not new anymore. It's the Housemark game. The guys that made uh, Dead Nation and Super Stardust and mm, okay. uh, Resogun and all that. Um, they just came out with. Oh, I like Resogun. Yeah, it, it's like Resogun, but you're a person now. Um, it's <laughs> they just released Matterfall. Matterfall like a couple weeks ago but I think this game came out in August um, or late July it's uh, it's it's very much like Resogun except it's top down uh, instead of you know uh, left and right or whatever however you would describe Resogun um, 
and but it's it's got the same narrator that they use in all their games, uh, the multiplier up lady, and it's got saving humans and upgrading your weapons and all that kind of stuff. It's got five levels. Um, it's really it's really good. Um, I got it on sale for like twelve bucks. Um, but it's it's really good. I definitely give it a shot if you're into like score chasing games like that. It seems really cool. Um, but cool. I mean, I've, I've played stuff here and there. But other than that, other than uh, Mario and Rabbids and Destiny, like not and Ultra Despair Girls, like not much. Yeah, I've been working through a lot of shorter games or trying to, and then Yakuza was just like, yeah, this is gonna take you a while, and then Destiny's stole focus from that. That's why I'm trying to beat Ultra Despair Girls as much as possible. Mm. I'm only trying to do like two games at a time, right? Really, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, unless you have anything else to say, I think we can call this episode no, yeah. a success. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, I don't think I'll be working at my j- new job then, but uh, I'm, we're going to try really hard to get scheduling so that my new job is nine to five won't affect our recording or anything like that. Otherwise, we'll just replace me with Paul from <laughs> then on. <laughs> uh but um yeah thanks for listening and uh we'll see you guys or we'll uh record some more stuff for you guys soon thanks everybody (laughs) have a good day all right bye thank you for listening to the entitled gamer the entitled gamer is hosted by matt shore and travis o'brien aka big Trav. the entitled gamer is edited by matt shore theme song by Braxton Boring. To get the latest episodes instantly downloaded to your device, subscribe to The Entitled Gamer on iTunes. You can also stream and download episodes from our website, theentitledgamer.com. Follow us on Twitter at EntitledGamer69. Or like our Facebook page, you guessed it, The Entitled Gamer. You can also follow Matt on Twitter at Shorster and Trav on Twitter at T.O.Brien90. Got a question, comment, or concern for The Entitled Gamer? Your question could be asked and answered during the show. Simply send an email to question at theentitledgamer.com or contact us on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and have an entitled day.